Blog Talk Radio. I don't know much but to face that beast, make him taste that peace. I'ma take back streets, I'ma meet bad beasts on some Maybach seats. I'ma day pass east so I might go west. I feast in the night when the light go rest. Nights on my feet go, Christ on my neck. I hope life leads me to a nice old death. Rose on my lip, cold ice on my breath. And I'm dressed like a groom but I never got mad. Nah, walked out the tomb like I never got bad. Call me Wallace Dean, awaken out of dreams. I got death on my breath. Call me Holocene I got Greek in my speech when I speak to the God Rims on the bends on the beach with your broad If the dough get low, I paint a pit 16 I cast the Holy Ghost and I sit 16 Listen to me like Epiphany Listen to me like a symphony In Basilica, this literature is like jewelry made by Tiffany Call me Rosie Gold, I got holy friends Holy Hova, man, holy hands Only sold my soul to do that holy dance Holy Hova, man, holy lands I'm in holy Greece Holy Rome, I'm in ancient Egypt in that holy home Sipping that Hennessy, that pure white I live a gen of VC, pure life So if you go for my ones, I'ma go for the guns I know where to go when I go on the run for that Rolls Royce I believe I got no choice, I make your body bleed We practice Murta and Verta Don't talk, oh Murta you know the violence got a code of silence. I pose in vogue with my golden phallus. Listen to like epiphany. Listen to me like a symphony. In Basilica, this literature is like jewelry made by Tiffany. Call me Saint Laurent. Saint Laurent, my pen always in the paint like my name LeBron. If the dough get low, I paint a pick 16. I catch the Holy Ghost and I spit 16. Listen to like epiphany. Listen to me like a symphony In Basilica, this literature Like jewelry made by Tiffany Call me Saint Laurent, Saint Laurent My pen always in the paint like my name LeBron If the dough get low, I paint a pit 16 I catch the Holy Ghost and I spit 16 Hey yo, Kufo Boom out, God B-O-M-E C-I-C Five percenters out here who know what I'm talking about. Rest of y'all wake up. More than rap music.
the bars And I'm caught up in the cause of the audience applause I don't need no chain, I don't need no rings I don't need no gold grill, I don't need no lanes To flock around me, I'm confident But they calling me cocky now These are the ones that make me reply with a child Please you don't know nothing about me, but when my mouth keeps squeeze, the crowd please, I'm out. Rap Dorsal, Black Arthur, West Coast Ghost, the Trap Archer, East Oakland, Mad Arthur, Jack the Parker Cat, now back up off the magical author, Walt Williams, scholar with the audible, order flow, regarded the nautical spit king in every article, yo, I give a fuck. Rap guy, the L to your low heme, red, black, and green, the team is head crack. That's
Black African Power. Welcome to the Rebirth of the African Civilization Show, the home of the Amara Squad, a well-organized life. The feats of disorganized truth. Peace to you, brother. Shout to Aaron Black African Power. What's good? Hey, yo. Hey, yo, I'm MJ, MJ, MK, Ultra. Snake head on my head. Vulture. I make beds till I break bread with Oprah. I'm over Cobra, stay ahead of culture. They made new slaves, I'ma make new niggas. And on paydays, I'ma make new figures. Fuck Bill Gates. I dance with Medusa, and the dance bring me cake like a master the Musa. In the world, I'm a boss in my brand new speakers. Your girl love my voice and my band two features. King Tut coffin, dreams of a sultan. Seen it so potent, my teeth born talking, and tongues never spoken. Scripts never written, I call that the hidden. One like almond, the unlettered prophet that prophesies from ramen. The flow been knowledge, I own sin college, and I use sign language that is so symbolic. Black African Power. Welcome to the Rebirth of the African Civilization Show, the home of the Amin Ra Squad. What's good? What's happening? A well-organized lie. Defeat the disorganized truth every time. Woo-hoo-wee. Man, y'all already know what it is, man. It's God killing a house. And I come to do what I got to do because I'm going to do what I got to do. Y'all know what it is, man. I'm a raw squad is on deck, right? Keeping the information in check, right? And we check making them. Check making them. Yeah, we making them do what they got to do. Because if you want to deal with the squad, you got to bring your references and your resources and you got to scrutinize. Black and power. Man, that's called an interruption. Damn. Y'all know what it is, though, man. We're going to do our thing tonight, man. Um, <laughs> we keep the shows popping, you know, whenever we have discussions, and sometimes they turn into straight-up brawls on the radio, which is all good. It's all good. But, you know, we had we got a lot of people kind of misunderstanding uh, African ideas and concepts, okay? And they're not only misunderstanding African ideas and concepts, it's, it's like they just they, they just misunderstanding the information, period. And let me give you a good example. First of all, man, the title of the show is Slavery or Kidnapping. We want to kind of discuss that. Black-on-black crime in West Africa, because if you got the tribes participating in the slave trade, Right, like a lot of people claim, okay, that's black on black crime. Let's get that established. And so the Christian statement is this. No matter what conversation you get in with the Christians, right, they will always make this statement. And I think they told him this. I 
think it's a download program some goddamn way that makes them give you this response. When you say, man, we was in slavery, I hit people with, look, man, we're only here having this conversation as a direct result of the kidnapping. Slave trade. They're like, wait a minute. We sold ourselves, brother. That's exactly what they say. And I promise you this, the Christians, the Muslims, and the Jews are the easiest to deal with. All you got to do is listen. They got these ready-made responses. And so a ready-made response, right, was perpetrated last two weeks on the show. My man, all facts. And that's my man from Baltimore. So we good peoples, right? But somewhere in his mind, he continues to think without thinking. How do you think without thinking? You use the down ready program, right? You're already in self-check on yourself. And so the statement that Christians always make is, we enslaved ourselves, brother. That's what the Muslims say. A Christian say, well, you know them Africans enslaved us. We're responsible. And it's crazy. And the response I always say is, what African king, what African queen was in Europe planning the slave trade? And that silence you just hear is the same silence you get from them. They will not have an answer for you. And then you have to proceed to tell them what the situation was. So you have to codify certain statements. You have to give a good explanation on a statement that the Africans enslaved themselves. That's a bunch of bullshit. We have identified the African tribes that participated in. But then we must also identify the conditions, the reasons why the hard choices that was forced upon us. So we're going to deal with that. We're also going to deal with Brother Ujau's book. In the second, in the second half, right? A beginner's introduction to the Metanetics, an ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic system. Now, I'm telling you, this is an excellent book, okay? But I'm going to show you how we get down around here. The text that we will be using for today's show is is The Destruction of the Black Civilization and that book I think y'all missing out on. The Handbook for the Conscious Community. See, y'all thought the Handbook for the Conscious Community by Brother Smash Rockwells, Rap God, right? Y'all thought that was just dealing with the homosexual claims. No, that's why it's called the Handbook for the Conscious Community. It's your handbook. When the crazy Christians get to talking, when the out-of-control Hebrews get to run their mouth, and when the disillusioned Muslims step up and raise their ugly head, like they did talking about Dr. Ben was a Muslim, you smash them with this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let y'all get this free preview right here. All right? Don't worry about it. You can't steal it. It's a free preview for y'all. The Magi, the Vanguard, the Kemet. <laughs> The handbook of the conscious community. And I'm going to put that in the chat room for y'all. So we'll be using the handbook for the conscious community, the destruction of the black civilization, and later on we'll be dealing with a beginner's introduction to the meta nature. And see, this is what y'all not understand, man. These books, man, are, are, are very, very important for our development as African people. And I don't think y'all understand what's really going on around you. We got some primary researchers around us. Smash, Asal Brother Sinjeti, Ujau, right? 
they wrote these books. You got Brother Saul, okay, writes a lot of articles and writes a lot of books. They're all writing this information that can calipot us and push us forward because they're standing on the shoulders of the giants, meaning we're not allowing the foolishness, meaning we're not allowing the pseudo-ship, meaning we're not playing Google-ship. We're digging in, right, and we're, and we're day by day, hour by hour, taking our time. Now, I know a lot of y'all got jobs, and y'all got to kind of go to work, especially some Hebrews. So you work for eight hours on the plantation. Some of us can't help it. But then you come home, and you're on the Internet. First of all, you got to deal with your family. That's not four hours out there with your family. And then you got to try to catch up to the squad, type, 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 Internet, Internet. It's not going to work. Got to do a little traveling. You got to do a little critique of the sources. Got to do more than that. Because I'm working all day long at home with this information. That's the same thing Brother Saw doing. The same thing Brother Ujjal doing. The same thing Brother Smash doing. It's an all-day affair. Y'all don't understand what's really going on, what's happening in front of your face. You got Brother Ishmael Law. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Think about this. About three years ago, right, he researched Scientology invading the black community. And we was the first to bring that out in the world right here. Ahead of the curve. Think about that. And y'all thought we was crazy. Got the shows to prove it. Squad ain't bullshitting. Check this out. DNA. Niggas wasn't talking about DNA. They was floating somewhere. I don't know where. Floating somewhere metaphysically speaking. Feet weren't on the ground. The mad scientist. And Gozi was definitely one of the first people you heard break that shit down with the African flavor. Now, y'all already know, I had to reintroduce real black atheism to the black community. We needed that. We needed a weapon that let people know that we don't believe that shit. Now, we already had atheism in the community, but it wasn't real black atheism. It didn't give an explanation to African cultures. It blended them in with European cultures. Like the definition that the Europeans used for God, they applied that same definition to the Africans, and they put them in the same boat, and they sunk it. That's why... The atheist community don't fuck with us. That's why the black atheist community don't fuck with us. Y'all know the show I did, The Real Black Atheist, The Black Atheist of Atlanta. Me and that brother, right, we don't get down no more. Based off of the fact that his mind, I ain't going to give him no light by saying his name, but his mind couldn't transform. His mind couldn't keep it up. He couldn't get it. He could only get the black atheist part and the rest of that shit. He just couldn't get it. 
He couldn't make that cultural connection. He didn't have the heart to stand on the shoulders of the giants, Shikanti Diops, Theophile Banger, Dr. Ben, Francis Crest Welsen. He didn't have that heart because what they taught was they gave you heart to honor your ancestors. Nigga ain't had that heart. And so he talks shit about me because I know what real black atheism is. What I'm saying is we blew a breath of fresh air into the community with topics and ideas that was new and had a foundation that was all black. So much so that the stereotypes that we carry was used against us. Yo, 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 man. So here's the stereotype that white people got science. That's all they got. No spirituality got science. And black people are spiritual. And so y'all routinely said, y'all using that white people shit. Okay. That's racism, white supremacy on your part, because you don't know. We are the original nerds. The first universities y'all already know. Fine in Africa. The scientific model, all these things, evolution, all these things wasn't a white idea. It was an all-African affair. The point I'm making is, is that the squad stands on the forefront. And we got the best damn hip hop. <laughs> yeah, y'all know what it is. The best conscious hip hop without even knowing it's conscious. Turn the damn show on, y'all hear that shit. Let me help y'all study a minute. When you're on Facebook, just Facebooking, right? Y'all need to go check out the signs of Kung Fu. The brother worked hard. And making sure you're up to date with your scientific material. And y'all don't even use it. He has a collection of articles, a steady diet of articles that just won't quit. So the science of cool fool. Use that. It's a reference. And goes his DNA. Helps you helps to explain what DNA is and how it's intertwined in the fabric of human history. Y'all got to check that out. And, of course, y'all know the Amon Ross Squad Scholarship. We got some fools running loose in there. Matter of fact, y'all, time is up. Come Monday morning, I'm scratching up out of there. So if you're in the Amon Ross Squad Scholarship group, right, and you screwing the pseudo, and you have not even attempted to call into the show to explain your position, then your ass is grass. You're out of there. Just let you know that. We also got the free... Thought Channel on YouTube. Brother Michael has the black eye, right, on situations around the world. You need to check that channel out. So we're moving progressively towards understanding who the hell we are in this world. We got the sisterhood on lock. Sister Supernet, 
Dr. Maya. So we just at the forefront. And a lot of times when you're in the midst of it, when you're in the midst of a run like this, like we having, you don't even know it. And then everybody that listens to the shows, their level is raised up. Y'all call in with good information. Y'all hit me up on Facebook, YouTube. It's, it's a hell of a correspondence. I'm learning from you, learning from me. That's what I like, that we learn from each other. It's a hell of a goddamn group of brewing. We're going to have that sign-up membership in a minute. I promise you this. Not to mention, we going live in concert. We bringing the show live to you. If you want to book the show, just go ahead and hit Up at gmail.com. We ain't doing it like they normally do it, where everybody have a lesson. Nope, we're going to do the show with the presentations in the background. Watch how we do this. We always at the forefront. If y'all got some real serious, funky, funky, uh, I don't even want to say conscious hip-hop, just some real hip-hop, because y'all know what real hip-hop was, man. Go ahead, man. If you feel like uh, donating a song, go ahead and send a song to up at gmail.com. And if we decide to use your song, right, we'll send some paperwork. We don't want the rights to your music. We just want to use the music. To create a hell of a soundboard to raise the people. And it's a donation. But we'll make sure we send that paperwork out, right, to get all legalities together on that. So we moving forward around here, man. Y'all got to pay attention. Yeah, y'all, y'all spend too much time with the Muslims and the Hebrews. No, it, it's not that I'm trying particularly you change the mind of the people to come on here arguing. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying I'm not even talking to them. So when a Hebrew, Muslim, Christian, or Jew call in, I'm not talking to them. The show is not talking to them. The squad is not talking to them. We're talking to their children's children's children. We're talking to those who are on the fence. Who've been living a lie, knowing they're living a lie, and wondering why that when they hear that shit, it don't make no sense. I be talking to them. And when they hear the truth, it knock their ass on the side of Africa. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So when we be going back and forth, we don't even be debating because the debate is between equals. We have yet to have a goddamn debate. We're talking to the people who don't know. And for y'all to say, well, I'm getting tired of this. We need to do something. We need to go on the street. Y'all need to go build something. Because every day, new life comes. New people come. Remember how it was when you first heard the truth and didn't have enough information to process in your head? It felt right, but it was foreign to your mind. That's when the rubber meets the goddamn road. When the truth meets the lie, it is always confusion. Y'all remember that. So make sure y'all subscribe to the YouTube channels. Black Atheist Library, Real Black Atheist Library, Real Black Atheist, I'm a Raw Squad, Smash Rock Wells. 
Ishmael Law's page. Man, subscribe to that Free Thought channel. Man, that don't take much to subscribe to that, man. You helping us out, man? Subscribe, man. And if you decide to give a donation, you can give a donation right to the video. A dollar. I'm going to call that holler the goddamn dollar. Niggas spend a dollar at McDonald's and Burger King like it ain't shit. And that's all part of your, uh, <laughs> uh, what you want to call it? When you're eating at McDonald's and stuff like that, your nutrition is being oppressed. <laughs> yeah. But, man, you know what? I'm just, I'm just loving it around here, man. And I promise you this, man, and I'm telling you all this. A good goddamn day because it's a new sheriff. And you know what, man? When I was talking to Brother Steady today, man, we were talking about uh, it's a new era, man. When the great Dr. Ben got initiated into the realm of the ancestors, man, it ushered out one era and we bring it in the new. And this particular era, our goddamn feet is on the ground. Y'all can save that spooked outfit for something else. Spirituality. It's food, clothing, and shelter and protection of that. And that and that is the most spiritual thing you can do, and we'll call that divine. And the people that partake in food, clothing, and shelter and protection of that, they are divine people. Yeah, make sure y'all check me out. I'll be up in New York. The squad be up in New York, man. The 19th. Appreciate you there, Sarnetta, Brother Polite, for bringing me up there. Great celebration to the great Dr. Ben. It's a pleasure to be on that. And your brother, Saras, you said he will be in a damn building. I think that's the first time me and him will work together. Really. That shit going to be hot. And I promise you that. See, I ain't got to cut no cars because I'm a real black atheist. I ain't got to tiptoe through the two around this motherfucker. <laughs> that shit real. Smash Rockwell. I'm the raw squad up. Raw squad up. What's up? Hey man, just hype. You know what it is? Hyped up. <laughs> Feeling yes, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was good. Uh, good opening there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just feeling it too. Kicking back. Actually, just at the office tying some things up. But uh, as you speak about the books and the works that the brothers is doing, to, uh, you know, to build on some of the work of the ancestors. It makes me think about a few things, and I'm glad my, I feel my uh, work is appropriately titled A Handbook for the Conscious Community in uh, contrast to a work like my brother Usar's or uh, my brother Ujahu's, who has How to Read Medu Nature, which would be a more special, specific Going in all the way on one topic throughout the whole, uh, you know, he going in on one topic throughout the whole work. Me, I tried to hit uh, uh, a lot of different topics that we, you know what I'm saying, address in the community and so that people have some place to refer to when they want to address some of these claims they hear put out here. You know what I mean? But, I mean, but when I look at Asar's work, I'm I'm always learning, even from uh, all my brothers. But I'm always learning when I uh, when I pick up Sars book uh, book of his. You know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing, man, to sit amongst y'all, man. Y'all niggas just don't know it right now, yo. Y'all have no idea the legacy y'all building, man. Y'all have no idea. And see, and and what it proves is a lot of times we sit around and say, well, this should be done and that should be done. But when you're actually doing it, man, you don't realize what you're doing, man. So, you know, I always peep my head up and say, man, okay, we pushing forward with this, man. Man, let me get the co-founder on here, man. It's me a law. I'm the raw squad up. I'm a raw squad up, brother. I'm a raw squad up. Arrows up, brother Jonathan. <laughs> peace to the gods. How y'all doing? Hotel, how you doing? Hotel, peace. peace. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, I just was that was definitely one heck of an intro, and all right, exact. <laughs> I definitely concur, and I gotta mm-hmm. tell you, there would most definitely be no Amara Squad without you. You know, you're mm-hmm. definitely a, a pillar and a foundation. I salute you. Yeah, appreciate that, brother. Uh, yes, appreciate sir. Appreciate that. And there wouldn't be no damn Amara Squad without the brothers and sisters, man, to help forge this truth forward, man. Absolutely, every piece mm-hmm. is so. Critical, crucial, and equal, and we embrace and we invite any additional brothers and sisters to add on, to contribute, and to just be a part of what we're doing, which is redefining, reestablishing our greatness. Mm, that's exactly what we're doing, yo. You know what I'm saying? One word at a damn time, man. One word at a time. <laughs> And, you know, I Absolutely. just take offense to the foolishness, though. You know what I'm saying? I get a little bit, you know, like that that that, that Islam thing with Dr. Ben, man. That shit kind of, like, hurt me, man, if there's a person would even do that because I studied the works of Chancellor Williams, and, right. and he tell us how they did that. They, they play that game. When they can't beat the white living, they try to get him and he's dead. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, well, that's I where just, the problem used to come from, Brother Ark. It used to, it used to be delays in, in those falsehoods being being dealt with, but now it gets smashed out, no pun intended, it gets smashed out, you know, so organized and so quickly, that's how you dispel those myths right away. There's no there's no time to be playing around and to be wasting time and, and to let the falsehood fester and, and manifest and grow legs. Chop that shit off immediately. <laughs> that's what season it is. Soon as soon as it rears its head, chop the head off. Immediately, <laughs> right? You know, because that—that's what it is. You know, uh, don't give them that those inroads to set up that falsehood and 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 trying the old games. No, we're coming with the scholarship. We're coming with the facts and smashing it out immediately, and then continuing on with what we need to do because we set the agendas. We're not following nobody. You know, we're establishing all of this stuff. Exactly what we're doing, yo. And I, and that's why I read that list down, man, in case people thought it was a joke. You know what I'm saying? You can't just Google that shit and jump on here like that. That ain't even going to work, man. That shit funny. As a matter of fact, man, I was trying to tell Smash, and, and I tell him, go to this shit all the time, man. I say, man, look, that fucking with these white people, right, and listening to them, man, it's like our grade point level dropped. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, like, like they're right. not... They, they don't have a vested interest in educating us nor their own people, right? To be Correct. honest with you. And so when when, when we talking, we got to make that shit real simple. 
Okay, now we got a lot of people that's educated and a lot of people that might not have a traditional education that follows along. But you got to remember, a lot of people, man, you know what I'm saying, that shit got to be basic, basic. I know for me, I needed the crystal clear basic, basic. You know what I'm saying? I had to force myself to read this shit, man. And I'm saying, like, yes. the white boy writing, they should be, like, slow. You know what I'm saying? And then you deops where he used the biggest words ever, and you just got to force yourself, and before you know it, yo, you're in the right frame, and you can work that shit. But just starting out with this information, because the lie has been right. perpetrated so much, yo, man, that shit got to repeat it over and over again, man. I just, I mean, like, like, like in Ghosty. Like, when you first hit him the first ten times, you were like, huh? Huh? But then right. you go away and you study, right? right? And you start reading those art. Then you come back and you memorize yourself with terms. Then you start to get it. I know Correct. that's what I had to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Correct. Remember, that's the same with Smash. That's the same with you, right? Remember, I was like, uh, Scientology. Remember that? I was like, what? Right. But, but it forced me to go study the subject. And then when y'all was talking about it, I was like, God damn. So so that's what it's about, everybody listening, man. When you hear us talking, you might not get it, but go research the topics, right, and, and, be, a, and be a part of the, you know what I'm saying, the learning curve. Let me get Absolutely. The, let me get the scientists in here. And go. I'm a raw squad up, Team Osiris. I'm a raw squad up, Team Osiris. What's going on, man? Peace and love to the family. How y'all doing? What up? What up? Peace, God. Hey, man, you know it. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear Man, I haven't done the shows lately, um, but I'm glad to hear the brothers, you know, y'all put me in the work. I want to support everything that's going on. I'm always support it. I want the world to know that we got an outstanding team, man. As I said, we got a lot to offer. And I also want to let the world know that I'm writing a book called The World is Yours. And the book is going to be based off human migration of Africa and the different, you know, mutations that we went through to become what we are today, from 200,000 years ago all the way to where we are now. So I'm working on a book right now called The World is Yours. You know what I'm saying? But we're talking about, you know, genes, mutations, what happened, what the homo sapiens was doing, how we were doing it, and how old Kemet really is. Because when it comes to Africa, there really is no pre-dynastic Egypt. Pre-dynastic Egypt only exists in white scholarship, not in African scholarship. There is no pre Kemet always exists for a long time, for almost 24,000 years. I got proof of it. You know what I'm saying? So I want to get in tune with that, and I'll be writing that in a book. And I just wanted to, you know, go on what the brother's doing. That's the Yes, sir. That's outstanding. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what's happening. Yep, that's definitely what's happening. Yep, all day long, 365 days a year. I hope you write that shit slower than you speak it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you know, Damn. you know what, you know, you know what, what the brother Hunk, you know, you know, I I didn't know how deep Doctor Ben was until he passed away recently. You know, I, I always had the book, but Doctor Ben was on what we on. You know, we we really like follow behind him. This dude was talking about evolution uh, mm-hmm. out of Africa, Mike Rich, and he was talking about this in, in the seventies and, and back then. Mm-hmm. People just been mm-hmm. kept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, it was deep, you know. So I'm telling you that that that's what that was my main tool to say. Look, I can teach this because look, look, and that that proves the niggas wasn't reading the book. So they read one page and I read out the bed. I was at his feet. No, nigga, no, you didn't. No, 
No, you didn't. Deeper than that. No, you didn't. Deeper than that. All the fossils, all that shit, right in his books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right there. Definitely believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, right there, that ain't no goddamn joke. I promise you that, man. So read the books, man. Ujao, what's good? I'm a raw squad up. I'm a raw squad up. Arrows up. Uh, peace and love to the family. Uh, man, I'm listening to your your um, intro and everything and uh, loving it. You know, how you laid it out and covered all bases, including the sisters and everything. Um, you know, that that, that kind of like opened me up to, to you know, our, our our libraries are closing down. You know, we they say, you know, every time an elder passed away, a library closed down. But it's good to hear what you were saying and the works that are being done that we keeping these libraries open. And I think people really need to look at it and, and see that our elders are passing, you know, in time. People live long, healthy lives. Dr. Ben lived to be 96, uh, 97. And um, so, you know, they're living healthy, long lives. But, you know, at a time where our elders, you know, their, their time comes to end. They, you know, their sun sets. So the new sons have to come up and, um, and take it on. You know, so we need, all need to support each other. And um, you know that's that's really important. So I salute everyone that's 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 in the trenches putting in the work. You know, Jonathan um, smash his book, handbook of conscious community. People need to uh, get it and 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 pick it apart. You know, you know, invite people to pick everything apart. You know, it's all a learning process. So hey, man, I'm 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 all for it. I'm I'm happy. I'm I'm, I'm happy. I'm living in this time because we actually get to see. Our elders' works, you know, carry on and pass on to the next generation. So, yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. And my sentiments go right with you, Ujau. Glad to be a part of this right here, man. We're going to look back on this and say, damn. Damn. You know, uh, something you said right there, and it's, it's, it's kind of encouraging. We do encourage people because that's how we build, you know what I'm saying? That's how, that'll be the most appropriate way for anybody to challenge anything we put forward is to scrutinize the written statements and uh, the published statements and be like, ah, oh, got you here, got you there, and have a formidable point to debate on. But, uh, you know, me and my, you know, I, I'm one who, who, who uh, I mean, once I feel confident in my research, and I find I've uh, used applied sound methodology, then I don't really, I mean, I'm not scared of making mistakes or, or you know what I'm saying, I'm not scared of jumping out there and putting out my angle on things. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I think that holds a lot of us back, you know what I'm saying, because people don't want to get shot down or whatever. But I think we should uh, be a little bit more bold in, and putting forth these works and I encourage, and that's why I'm glad to hear Gozi say he's writing this book. I think we all should be published uh, at the end of this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 hey man, I agree with you 100. percent And you took the words right out of my mouth. People, people like scientists are not scared to be wrong. You know, so and 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 that's what it's about. Check out the G up. All of our elders that passed, they were scientists in a sense where they publish, they put forth, they put the research in and laid it out there. It's like laid out there. You prove it wrong, not not so much as, uh, you know, I'm scared you're going to prove it wrong, but if you prove it wrong and show superiority of methodology, then I'm going to roll with you. 
and, and we'll roll with what you present. And that's the attitude that we all need to have, and, and a lot of us do have it, but then some people don't, and um, people are scared to to put forth uh, their opinion or something, you know. So um, so that's right on point. I'm, you know, put, put the publication out. If, if there's something wrong, we correct it and keep it moving. That's, that's, that's what it's about, tighten down the screws and get this machine well, oiled very well and, and drive it into the future. That's it. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm corrected. I welcome it. I'm like, look, hey, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta push it. You gotta push the envelope, man. I'm, just, I'm, <laughs> I mean, because that's what. At the end of the day, that's what our scholars did. They pushed the envelope so much so that they forced the white academia. You know what I'm saying? To bow down to the student information so much so that white academia is split. You know what I'm saying? You got the side that rock with Africa hard. Then you got the side that just can't believe it. And then when you listen to the side that just can't believe it, that explanations are so goddamn faulty. You're like, come on, son. Come on, man. Come on. Let me, uh, <laughs> my favorite namesake right here, yo. Right here, yo. This, I, I like this name right here. Gullah Geechee Jack. Timo Cyrus. <laughs> Gullah Geechee Jack. Gullah Geechee. Oh man, you faded down the stretch from it. One last time, Gullah Geechee. Three, one, four. All right. Uh, what's up with it? Like, no, yo, what's Hello. up with it? What happened, Gullah Geechee? Jack, you missed the intro, man. I, I hit you, and you ain't. You missed the cue. My bad, man. I was I was shoveling, doing something, man. <laughs> what's good with it, though, man? Shit, Gullah Power, y'all. What's good with it, brother? What's up, brother? What's up, little brother? To Wild Drove, what's going on with you? Team Osiris, what down? What's good with it, man? Chilling. Hey, you know what it is, man. Hey, we you chilling, know what it chilling, is. Chilling with, chilling with the sons, the sons of A zero zero tonight, man. <laughs> hey, brother Cameron, what up? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, can't yeah, Cameron <laughs> on the line too, brother Cameron. What up, brother? What up? Mm. Where you at? He uh yeah, yeah New uh, York number three three four seven yeah three four seven. Brother Cam, brother Cameron, Timo Size, what's good, bro? Yeah, Timo Cyrus, I'm my squad up, man. What's going on? What's good? How you doing, brother? Bro, I sure heard you on that, man. I'm like, yo, that's a good sport. Just listening, man. Just listening. All right. All right. Well, look, let's push forward, man. Um, let's jump right in. Let me let me put first of all. Let me put the uh this this preview of the whole book. Uh, let me put this in here. The handbook for the conscious community. I like the way you say that shit, man. The handbook for the conscious community. <laughs> it's a power in that shit, man. There y'all go, right there, man. It's in the chat room, man. All right, everybody, hurry up and read that shit tonight. Read that whole goddamn thing tonight, yo. There you go. The free preview is right there for you, all right? And um, we're going to be dealing with that. Uh, you got to get what, what chapter is the portion we're dealing with the slavery at, brother? Brother Smash. Sorry, I just came back. I was on the other line, but I know what you're talking about. So, it's the last. If you if you're talking about uh, the book Magi, we're dealing with the last two chapters in the book. But let me get right. my office. I apologize. All right, go into office. All right. Okay. Y'all get your last two chapters. All right. Did you share? Uh, did you share the? I shared uh, it. Mm-hmm. Well, I shared it. actually, we deal with it in a, uh, a couple of places, but. Uh, just so we know, this this publication, are, as I said, Magi being a collection of articles, you know, written over the past few years, 
primarily dealing with it uh, was my repudiation to Kim and Nubia black on black slavery between reality and romanticism. That's on page 258. But then mm-hmm. we have, we also have, uh, and that was kind of like a repudiation to Dr. Wesley Muhammad's work. Then we also have on 270, Kim and Nubia, uh, part two to that. But I uh, I want to draw a few things from page 283, if y'all got that mm-hmm. uh, free electronic preview that he put forth, mm-hmm. which was just basically some uh, notes put for, forward called Concerning Slavery and Kemet. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to read directly from it, but people have the text to read Chapter directly from right? it. Chapter 22, Chapter 22. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And mm-hmm. basically my baseline analysis parameters for slavery, for looking for slavery in Kemet, was to find human ownership, owning another person, uh, find restrictive freedoms of service, you know what I'm saying, you, where you can only go where your master says, find paid wages for workers, uh, find evidence of slave raids, find rights of monumentation, find... Egypt, I mean, this is basically, uh, again, my research parameters are things I was looking for uh, while looking through all the different texts. Uh, find Egyptian deities of slavery, spiritual rights of slavery, rights of master over a slave, uh, uh, find mistreatment, find mistreatment of servants. And so uh, basically these are the things I was looking for and uh, trying to be objective in the research, uh, we find a few things, but just to keep it all the way 100, there was a work, and the work that I cited primarily in this, in my book, was a dissertation uh, done by J.J. Shirley. I mentioned it often. It's called The Culture of the Officialdom, and uh, she leads us to a lot, a, a lot of primary sources that let us know some of the terminology that we use uh, that, that Egyptologists use to translate as slave uh, may be more, uh, may have different meanings. And so one of the first things we address is Hakanakit's papyri. And just to go in this, Hakanakit was a farmer in the Middle Kingdom. He was a free man. His papyri is significant to the study of slavery in Kemet, it says, this is, docu- this is a documented account of a man's rise from a box, a servant, to a noble position in society in ancient Egypt. So what we find in reading this papyri that is, A, he was a free man, yet he uh, was adorned with the term box, which uh, means a servant, which some proposed actually meant a slave. But we find in reading his uh, papyri that one thing we find, he had a, a noble rise into an authoritative position in the officialdom of kingdom. I mean, I'm sorry, in the officialdom of Kemet uh, from a box to uh, a few noble things that we'll get into right here. His epithets were Kim Ka, and in one instance, Bach in Perjet, or the worker of the funerary estate. Uh, that's a quote by J.J. Shirley. It says, him or Bach are said to mean slave, but Hakanakit's papyrus evidence that those terms meant worker. 
and we could go we could go in further. I don't want to really read directly from the text again. I, uh, it's a free preview for everyone mm-hmm. to uh, go over all the work, but I'm just gonna keep just like skimming over it. You know what I'm saying? So what this establishes that again that it did not mean a slave in the sense of chattel. You know what I'm saying? The document establishes a wage for workers. As he uh, receiving a modest stipend for his services, the farmer would have remained dependent on his own land and upon his land he had ministered for uh, the mortuary coat. And then we got, these are quotes from uh, Radzinski, Allen, and a few other people you can see it cited in the book, basically from Barbara O'Neill's publication. Anyway, when looking at a papyri, a papyri like Hakanakis, uh, we find that some of these terms that people attribute to, oh, this was a slave, he was a bach, or he was a himuti. Because also on the in, in, within these papyri, we find the other term, himu, and and we have a, a stipend established for a himu or a bach. And by a stipend, we mean paid for their work. And so... Again, these are some of the things that we uh, we we start to find when we look at some of these primary accounts. I'm just going to flip to the uh, flip the page to get to another uh, testament of someone who had a meritorious rise from a warrior to a high-ranking official, but still were adorned with some of these epithets. This was Amenmos. Uh, we find him noted. I think this is page 284. Amenmos, and he's found in tomb. Mm, a Thebian tomb, 42, and the significance of the find is basically a document of meritorious. Again, a merit-based system of rise through the officialdom of Kemet. So throughout this chapter, we'll go from the lowest term of society, which we can find. Normally, a Najess is just a commoner, but this is a commoner who is not being, so, so to speak, uh, amalgamated to the society like someone who was, quote-unquote, Capture or someone who was introduced to the society through means that we could perceive to lead to, uh, you see what I'm saying, something like slavery or uh, forced servitude. You see what I mean? It's a captain mm-hmm. or a prisoner of war being mm-hmm. brought back into a culture or, or in the sense of objective criticism, uh, an opponent of that view can say, well, what is that? You see what I'm saying? So in being objective and in, in doing an analysis of this, we find that those people were most often introduced to these terms called a as a marut, which was most commonly the lowest. Uh, I mean, it's one of the lowest on the on the totem pole. Then we would have a bot, which was also a type of a servant. But then we start finding when we look, and then we have uh, another term again that I mentioned earlier. Which was a him, or okay. a met, which which also alluded to servitude. But then, I'm just talking. I ain't even reading over the book. But, but not to go I, so far. Once we start to look, just go ahead. All right, real quick. Since you're dealing with terms, let, let me deal. I put it in the uh, chat room. Let's deal with the term slavery, okay? Uh, and let's deal with the term kidnapping. Now, through further review, I prefer to use the term kidnapping. Uh, Brother Ish introduced a professor. I forget the professor's name. I don't know if you remember the professor's name or not, Ish. He talked about uh, slavery and slaves and how we, we weren't really slaves. We were kidnapped victims, right? So what we want to do is we want to deal with the terms real quick. So 
So in the chat room, uh, the first term is, uh, I think I put in there, it's kidnapping, okay? Now let's read the definition for kidnapping. It said, in criminal law, kidnapping is the unlawful taking away or transportation of a person against that person's will, usually to hold the person unlawfully. It says, this may be done for ransom or in furtherance of another crime. All right? That's exactly what the hell they did. Now, let's deal with the term slavery. Watch this. Slavery is a legal or economic system, right? Stop here. It's a slavery is a legal or economic system. Now, remember, kidnapping is illegal, unlawful. It never was against the law to enslave your damn ass. So as long as we ask for money based off of slavery, you can't get it because it was their law. Right? But you was kidnapped, and that has always been unlawful. So it's a slavery is a legal or ethnic system under which people are treated as property. Now let's come to a book real quick on that. Mm-hmm. Get the book, The Politics of Property. They say the concept of property is central to political thought, right, and critical to understanding the ideas and key political thinkers. They say this book provides an up-to-date analysis of the idea, taking into account current dates and, 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 and gender, slavery, and colonialism, okay, and the introduction of property as concept debates between thinkers across ideology and in politics. And practice. Mm, so there you have it. Mm-hmm. Now, see, see that? This is this mm. is a fundamental mind shift for those who don't know no goddamn better. We was kidnapped victims, and that shit has been unlawful. But on the other hand, you keep saying we slaves and teach our children we were slaves. That shit was illegal. It was legal. The lowest thing a human being can be is a goddamn slave. So why would I teach my kids to lie? We not slaves, else we wouldn't be on this motherfucking show. Now I can say that if you're a Muslim, Christian, or Jew, then mentally you're a damn slave, because that's that's the truth. That's how slaves think. PTSS, post-traumatic slave syndrome. When a victim acts out like the victimizer, I know that might be a little harsh, but that's just what it is. Fear to go back to honor your ancestors, right? That's a slave. Okay, we kidnap victims. Go ahead, brother Smash. Anybody else want to add something to that issue? No, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. We'll go with it. I'm with you. I'm here. Okay. Anybody want to add something before you go into, before you finish up, um, Smash? Go ahead, Smash. Oh, okay, cool. And, yeah, so basically uh, we're, we're looking at Hakanaka's papyri does, for one, it's like we noted him being a bop, yet him being a free man and a farmer. Now, one thing we find in there is he he says a ter- uses a term, which is my land. And and this may we could ponder this as an establishment of land ownership for a person entitled a bop or him, both of the titles he wore. Now, I mean, he refer he got a stipend for this land. Or okay, or for tilling, or for for the, I guess for what he produced off the land, and he called it his land. But yet, still, some of the same terms we find 
certain people in other uh, tra- uh, European translations, again, called a box or a hymn, will be referred to as a slave. So we got uh, to look into certain things like that. And just to close it up, I'll just grab a few more and run through them real briefly to show you some of this type of stuff you'll find. I mentioned uh, Amemos, who made this meritorious rise. And what I'm really documenting is this meritorious system where you merit-based, based on how, again, how good you performed or how good you were, you could rise through society. There was also cronyism and nepotism, and that's addressed in the document as well. But a few more people. Here's an interesting instance. Something we learned about is the uh, royal nursery. I'm just skimming over page 285 right now at the bottom. Uh, talk it, where I begin to speak about the royal nursery. I really just give notes in this chapter. Notes, uh, the royal nursery was basically, uh, if you want to go into uh, biblical stories or those tales, those allegories, that would be where Moses would have grew up. Uh, because uh, orphan children are supposedly uh, grew up in the cop or this nursery, and so now we find people who, again, rose up from a child of the royal nursery, highly appointed positions in the uh, in the officialdom of Kemet. Now that doesn't speak directly towards slavery, but it does help to substantiate that one could rise from again one of the lowest uh, lowest. I guess besides being just a majest, you would be a maru all the way up into uh, uh, a prominent person in the, uh, in the officialdom. So I'll just leave it at that and let people, inspire people to read the whole chapter and read the whole work instead of uh, me reading it to them here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, hold your place right there, Smash. That's very interesting. I think it's, and, and see, see, people just expecting nobody to go in that deep, man. <laughs> That's deep. Well, that that ain't really that deep. Uh, it's building on a lot of other people's work, but I appreciate it. You know, it, it's deep. It, it's deep for us to open our mouth and say, "See, slaves in Egypt." They read that Bible. See, yeah, it is that per, person never even expanded their mind to see different aspects of what you was talking about. All right. So let me come to page two. Real quick, page 251, okay, and Destruction of Black Civilization, all right, uh, in a chapter entitled White Devils from the West. Go down to the bottom of the page. It says, things quickly got out of hand. The Portuguese, the Portuguese settler, settler population, based mainly on the coast and the offshore islands, desired the quicker riches that would flow from the increasing demand for black slaves. The settlers therefore purchased, pursued a more aggressive course of action, ignoring the lesbian courts, the lesbian courts attempt to cover up the real operation with the friendly language of diplomacy, right? So you know how they do it. They come in, diplomacy, friendly language, you got your, your, your missionary, all that bullshit. Let me see that. It says, I'm on page 252 now, right? It says, up to the 16th century, okay, the people we are calling slaves were not slaves in the modern sense, but laborers either captured as prisoners of war or persons in prison for various offenses. It says, during the first stages 
of the slave trade, many African chiefs and kings actually thought they were supplying workers needed abroad. And we ain't talking about all the way abroad to goddamn to the market. That ain't what they thought. Had no idea. Okay, needed workers abroad and at the great and at a great profit to themselves. They they had not had experience with the white man's slave system or its equation or, or its equation with race. Not at first. Okay, so we're establishing here, right? So when you open your mouth that the African did didn't did that, right? Let's codify that. Let let's get a full understanding of what it was. Now Chancellor doesn't cut Tars lie here. He said not at first. Right? He said, We have said. But as the decades passed, right, and the Congo state is a good example, many Africans became enmeshed, right, in the horrors of the trade. Knew what they were doing and in pursuit of guns and riches became as brutal as the whites in dealing with their own kind. Key words here, guns and riches. Hmm. Guns. Black leaders saw these new weapons of death as the source of the white man's power, right, and the immediate threat to their own existence. The earth-shattering cannons that were being brought into Africa seemed to herald the death of the whole race or its total enslavement. The Africans became insistent in their demands for guns as articles of trade. There was then, as now, a silent embargo. I'm going to say this again. There was then, as now, a silent embargo on arms to black Africa. Well, see, they cut you out of that. They had a silent embargo. Don't get them niggas no real functioning guns. A sort of white gentleman's agreement. The demand for guns by the chiefs was pitted against the demand for slaves by the Europeans. Yeah, we give y'all some guns. You give us some Africans. Slaves by the Europeans and the Arabs. The Arab slavers had no trouble securing firearms. Wow. I'm going to say this again. The Arabs slavers had no trouble in securing firearms. The chiefs could seriously hamper the trade if their demands for guns were not met. Besides, many slave traders were quick to see that the supply of slaves would double and triple if firearms were given to certain strategically located kingdoms and chieftains, for these would then seek to become big, wealthy, powerful, expanding their territories over weaker black states and capturing millions of prisoners to be enslaved in the process. Well, ain't that what happened with the drug trade in the United States? Mm-hmm. With the implementing of guns in the communities? Mm-hmm. At first, first, the community had no idea what was going on. All right? But then as the decades passed, we started to understand what we were doing and we were selling drugs. Okay, so this is very fundamental to understand the process because this shit still happens, and it's still happening to us. They continue to introduce things to us, 
and we do not understand the effects of it at first. Go ahead, Brother Smash. Anybody want to add something to that? For Brother Smash, go back in. Yeah, well, I want this, this Brother Kimball right here. I, w- I wanted to talk on that a little bit too because, you know, um, when we when we when we had like when you go into Egyptian stuff and they say the Egyptians enslaved certain people, um, they would at least let them go after a while. Like they would work for a certain amount of years. Like I guess you would call it indentured servitude. But what the Europeans did to us is chattel slavery. Like what they did to us, we were property. You know, they tricked. They tricked them into thinking that, hey, you know, you're going to send these people, they're going to do labor for a certain amount of time, and eventually they'll be free. They might even be part of that society. But that's not the case with us, and and our people went through a whole different experience, and that's why we go through the things we go through today. Hmm. Well, I look for rights of monumission or uh, when to let a slave go or whatever in Egyptian text, and I couldn't find anything addressing that. That does not mean what you're saying is not true, nor am I one to, uh, again, my whole argument has never been against the uh, existence on the outskirts or whatever. I, w- I always argued against a institution or a slave trade in Kemet. Uh, as far as that, we all know that Bible stuff is hocus-pocus. Or, I mean, you know, that's just jargon about the Jews being enslaved. I, I don't put any truth to that. But at certain periods and points in time, we do even find more anomalies. Uh, again, I, I always say, in the sense of being objective, we find certain things that have to be addressed. Uh, towards the uh, later periods, I guess we say about the 27th dynasty, we find uh, our first rites of monumission. And we'll find, uh, my, uh, uh, I think this is for a, a slave owned by a Jew named Meshulam. Now, again, we're using the same, uh, we're using the same terminology, and I don't know what term was used in that document, uh, in that exact document. I probably could go to my computer and look it up. But what we'll find is throughout different periods, and again, we got to know that a dynasty meant a family, a family of rule. So some some families did different things, man. We can't just, you can't just, the argument is that there was no institution or there was mm-hmm. no trade, you know, mm-hmm. primary, integral to the uh, central to the central establishment or, uh, of Kemet. And that's what my argument has been that I've maintained throughout my uh two refugiations to Dr. Weston Muhammad and uh, what I look for in my research. So, you know, you might find one or two things. Like, again, if you read my book, you can go further on and find that I, I put out things to the contrary of, of what some of us would uh, believe as well because we find primary accounts with other things. But one thing to note is in the P count, I think this is page 289, P count is short for Propose is some Greek word. It's hard to say. It is prosopographia Ptolemaica, and is the P count is the project that it basically lists the inhabitants of Egypt between 300 and 30 BC, from Greek, Egyptian, Latin sources of both authors and documents, and the fact that only three quote unquote even slaves were found from 300 to 30 B.C. is notable. When these are uh, very detailed, uh, well-kept documents, 
You know what I'm saying? And, and that is very notable. Now, to say that these three were still found, we still come up with this uh, linguistic anomaly. Okay, they're called Maruts, they're called Hemets. And, and so that argument could go on for centuries. But again, there's no direct evidence uh, when we look through these primary no. accounts of any shadow type system. Right. No. But, but, but what, I, what I was saying, um, basically, what I was saying is that in in, in Egypt at that time, and in, in the dynasties, when they would capture prisoners of war, those prisoners of war could actually live better than some peasants in in the uh, in the society in the empire. They wouldn't even even get, you know, even get a. Uh, Promoted to certain positions in the government, depending on certain things, so it wasn't the same as as what we went through. Yeah, it was tax. They was taxpayers, right? And some of them even had contracts servitude. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it had they had a lot of different stuff in different dynasties, especially. But it was it was never the way that they did to us in in the, the yeah. Americas. It was never the same. Yeah, the only, the only confusion is the is the feudal, the, like the feudal type system. That was played, but but they feudal system was something totally different because feudal systems are are diverse. Well, you you're right. Uh, you you y'all remember when uh, polite bro- broke out that uh, adoption papyri at the debate or whatever? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's something we all need to look at, and that's something I scratched the surface of in my book to give people, uh, you know, to toss out something for someone to do a whole work on. But it is a it's, it's a strange anomaly of adoption in Kemet where you would adopt your servant or whatever and so that they would inherit your things. And, you know, it's something like, I mean, it's crazy because at certain different points in time we'll notice that. Uh, basically, it was a man named uh, Nab Nufi. Uh, you, you could go to page. 289, if anyone is following, 280, well, this is 286, 287. We'll see Neb, Neb, Nufi, Neb Nufi adopted his wife to ensure that she inherited his things upon death. Now, that's one instance where a, a husband adopted a wife, but a, a, again, we find other instances where a servant would be adopted and changed into a uh, a, a, a daughter or something, you know what I'm saying? So, but in some of these terms now, and one, and, and specifically one that I did not be, get able to uh, find the primary on was the adoption papyrus, and so that's a continuing work I'm doing. But the the in the translation by Sir Alan Gardner, it says, and I just want to read y'all to read this, and it's just like a riddle. It says we purchased. A female slave, Denny Hurry, and she gave birth to these three children, one male and two female, in all three. And I, Renuf, took them. I mean, Renufi took them and nourished them and brought them up. And I have reached this day with them without their doing evil towards me, but they dealt with me. I mean, they dealt well with me. I have no son or no daughter except them. I am the stable master of, it says, and the stable master Padu entered my house and took Ta'aminu, their eldest sister, to wife. 
and he being related to me and being my younger brother, and I accept him for her, and he is hers to this day. Now, in dealing with, again, objectively, we would be faced to figure situations like these out. You know what I'm saying? Like what is truly taking place here? And because they uh, they use terms like purchase, and again, me uh, the the some some this I think this was honestly, and uh, I really recall this was in like a twelve thousand dollar book. You think I'm playing? I'll try to find the link. And so this is one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I couldn't look at this erratic papyri. And so, <laughs> 12, but again. Yes, $12,000 book. You know what I'm saying? And so, he's a ball of uh, Yeah, I, I shared it I shared it a couple of years ago on my Facebook page like you talking about rims for a few racks. This book costs 12 G's. But anyway, it might not have been this exact one, but that's how my memory served me right now. So, but again, I want to challenge us to uh face those type of situations and and that's why I put it in my work. Because if we want to, you know, push it further, we're going to figure out what these things were and 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 get to the bottom of them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Watch this. Um, let's see. All right, let me go here real fast. Um, one, one second. Um, uh, let's deal with the book, uh, The Rise and Fall of the Plantation Complex, Essays in Atlantic History by Philip Curtin. It's an excellent book. In this particular chapter, okay, is dealing with hmm, hold on me. Man, I kinda lost my place, man. <laughs> dealing with African Muslims and European slavery. Okay? Now, on page forty, right, speaks of it says the kind of slavery that became dominant in the American plantation is special. Different from slavery in most the Muslim world And different again from slavery In West Africa The slave was purchased To serve as a unit of labor Normally labor Normally labor And agricultural work Under continuous supervision During the entire work day In the sugar fields This meant gang work With a driving giving, With a driver giving orders Hour by hour if not minute by minute. Okay? And let's move on to the Muslims. Okay? Slavery in the Muslim world. Okay? It says, uh, slavery in the Muslim world, where African slaves also went, was again different in both theory and practice. There, the slave was not a labor unit. The sanction for slavery came from Islam. I'm going to say this again. The sanction for slavery came from Islam. See? <laughs> uh, principally from the belief that pagans were without the law, but that they could 
legitimately be converted by force through enslavement. A slave was thought of as a part of the master's household, as a kind of ward undergoing education. His or her status, right, was assimilated to that of a child. Wow. In the same society, but still as a person. Thank you. Not just a possession. The master was obligated to undertake his or her religious education through it, though it rarely reached a very high level. So they was they so the master has to educate you right in Islam. <laughs> yeah. Nor was a slave restricted to hard ag- agricultural labor. Goes on to say, it says, as strangers, slaves lacked kin or other supporters in the local society. You know, kinship is important, so they take that away from you. Okay. Mm-hmm. They take, so they take right. some other things away from you, too. You're mm-hmm. a bodyguard. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it says, as an owner... Right of strangers, a master might find it useful to have them exercise authority in his own name, even over free people. See, Islam had this real, real strange thing going back and forth. How they do that thing? But at the end of the day, they force you to honor the ancestors, right? And they take away your mental capacity to connect back to your ancestors. This is a regular occurrence, right? Regular currents. It's just how it is. Now, let me see if I can find. Hold on. Let me see. Um, page 37 says When the European mariners landed on the coast, they found a network of trade routes that crisscrossed tropical Africa. So we understand that Africans were trading from time immemorial. So it wasn't like we were standing around in some jungle or standing around some forest doing nothing like they try to make it seem like. It says, these routes carried a variety of goods. Uh, eternal sail, cooler nuts, shea butter, several kinds of salt, textiles, and varying styles and patterns, iron, iron tools, right, and some slaves for sale within West Africa. It says, most African societies made it a practice to enslave war prisoners, okay, but the victors really kept these people as servants. <laughs> well, they say if they came from nearby, it was all too easy to escape. Perhaps killing some of the captors' people in the process. Many, if not most, war prisoners were therefore sold to passing traders who took them along the trade route with their other goods to sell them in distant places. Where escape would be more difficult. Traders also carried a variety of goods to the desert, desert edge for export to the north. Gold was the most important, right? But exports included several kinds of pepper, shea butter, some dried meat, hides, and a little ivory. And a little ivory. They also carried some slaves for sale, right, in North Africa, but not as a dominant export. Recent estimates put this trade to the range of 500 to 4,000 slaves a year. They say with a substantial margin for error. 
When the Europeans appeared on the coast, they found existing trade networks they could use. They had no need to set up trading posts or to introduce new new currents of trade as they did in dealing with the Manians of North America. All right? So you see the European wrote, right, wrote, they wrote this book, okay? You have to scrutinize everything that you read. On one hand, he called them slaves. On one next hand, he's calling them servants, right? But as I read the book, Chancellor Williams, he kind of dissects that so you can get a full understanding of that, okay? And we must always remember the, the, the thousand years, right, that Islam spent enslaving Africans. We must never forget that. Okay, so that's very, very important. So a lot of times we talk about the, the, the quote-unquote Europeans, right, uh, kidnapping and enslaving the Africans, but we forget about the Arabs enslaving the Africans. We forget about that, but that's a whole thousand years of dysfunction amongst the African people. Go ahead, Brother Smash. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I was looking... Excuse me, I kind of lost my preview. Let me find it again. I was looking through uh, uh, another chapter and some of the work and some of the more common uh, things that are misnomer to be. Uh, well, it was used by Doctor Wesley Muhammad to say as evidence of slave raids. It is an description from our. Uh, it's actually a rather. Beautifully well preserved inscription in the tomb of Hoy, I believe. Let me try to let me try to get this preview back up. It's in the tomb of Hoy, and it is uh, a tomb of Hoy. Hoy being an official during the time of Tarakaman, uh, and I think uh, the scene is a procession where the viceroy of Kush, uh, I think it was was it Hakai Hakai Nefer. I think the Viceroy of Kuf, and we'll, I'll be able to confirm all this in a moment. As a matter of fact, it was Hakan Nefer, the Viceroy of Kush, leading a, a procession to Tarakaman with, uh, amongst other things, an ex- uh, uh, I think it was like six or seven captives. Uh, is anyone familiar with this inscription? Or this this scene? Uh, to the you you, you came out. You said, uh, you said, 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 you before I get to it, you'll find in in, in the work Kim and Nubia Black on Black Slavery uh, a photo crop. Okay, you, if you guys can, if you follow the preview, you can see an inscription of it on page two eighty six, a small portrait of it, and then you can see a, the actual photo crop used by some to show evidence of slave raids in Kemet. On page two sixty four. Okay, I see. I see. And, yeah, and and so, but actually, again, to address the whole inscription on two, on two, uh, 
286 we find, or 268, whatever, I can't even see, I'm sorry. Uh, we find that it was much more than evidence for slave raids. As a matter of fact, the person, and it's hard to see on this detail, but if you really want to see a good picture of it, you can just go right to Google or Wiki and Google the tomb of Hoy, and uh, they have a, a, a uh, just photo up there. What you're going to find is leading the procession is the darkest Nubian, uh, Hakanefer. There's a, a little bit of Medunetcher, uh in between the names, and he is the uh, Prince of Mayam. And so I wanted to address this because there's certain things like this. These are a person bringing their own captives to Egypt. It's not like, you see what I'm saying? Whatever these people was doing, they was captives in Nubia already. And they got brought by Hakan Nefer to uh to Kemet in a procession for Tadagaman to do whatever he sees he so chose. Now now y'all assess that how it may be, but it ain't like Egypt went in the Nubia and did nothing. So this is like somebody giving the uh the people who must have been I I will quote unquote their bad people of their society or whatever that must have did some egregious things over to be uh to be controlled by telecommon. But that's something for us to also address. I just wanted to point that out. And I could close off and we could let uh Jahu get in. But if anybody wanna grab that work, it's Magi Handbook for the Conscious Community. You could just Google that, find it at blurb dot com or just Google Jonathan Owens Magi, you know. Mm, okay. Mm. I wanted to find uh, when when the European he kind of details what type he calls it uh, prisoners of war, what type of slavery that the African had, and it was very very important. Let me see. Uh, okay. Uh, let me come right here on page forty one real quick, and then we'll get into brother Ujau's book. We'll take the two callers. We'll take the two callers I see right there, right? Uh, y'all got 15 minutes to call in. As uh, soon as we finish this, we'll go into our last section of the show. We'll uh, deal with uh, Brother Ujao's uh, uh, great monumental work, the beginner's uh, introduction to the meta nature. You're listening to the Amaral Squad. Call the numbers 347-857-2055. We're dealing with the handbook for the conscious community. Uh, slavery, black on black crime, West Africa. We're just putting in this work, brothers and sisters. Right now, I want to find, let me see if I can get you the, hmm, page 41, it says, South of the Sahara, the position of slaves was similar but far more valued. The northern fringe of West Africa, Savannah, was largely Muslim by the 15th century. It therefore uh, con- um, constituted a mixed case between North Africa and much of the west of the continent, okay? Uh, but the underlying environmental conditions were different. West Africa was chronically underpopulated. Land had little value without people to work it. A kinship or other group could increase its power and wealth only by adding people. And the most readily available way to add people quickly was to purchase. By what? By purchase. The owner often wanted to assimilate to assimilate the slave to a watch this 
to a kinship position. I'm gonna say this again. This is this is what what the European is saying. These Africans did when they came to quote unquote slavery. They say the owner often wanted to assimilate the slave to a kinship position. So so if a tribe bought you, they was trying to assimilate you to a kingship position. They say even though it was a subordinate one. They say in many African societies, the subordination was only transitional. <laughs> say this again, right? African societies, the subordination was only transitional. I don't know what the transitional is. Transitioning from one African society to another. Until the slave could be assimilated into the group. So once you got, once you start to understand the questions and traditions of the group, then you was made family. Watch this. Assimilating to the group. They say, in some cases, slaves could become freemen in one generation and even rise to position of leadership. Slaves in West Africa did all kinds of work. Some were commodores of armies, commanders of armies, or or or, or palace servants, uh, the Muslim or palace servants on the Muslim model. Many were concubines or wives. Other others did agricultural labor, sometimes under daily instruction, but sometimes under their own direction, owning nothing but a kind of rent, owing nothing but a kind of rent. So wow, they got them paying rent. <laughs> Nobody watching over them. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Okay, let's finish. It say, but this variety, but this variety, right, of position belonged only to the settled slave. It say, West African society made a sharp distinction between trade slaves and settled slaves, uh, freshly captured slave or freshly condemned criminal had no rights. Okay, it say his life was was forfeit, right? And the master could do as he as he liked. For a few months, each newly captured slave uh, would live as a trade slave. But sooner or later, the merchants owners would sell him to Europeans or North Africans on the coast. Okay, um, it say West African slavery. Uh, it say or sell him into into until West African slavery far from home. From that time, the purchaser began trying to assimilate the newcomer, right? So you see this constant of, of wanting to assimilate you into the culture. See, this is constantly, meaning teaching you the ways of the tribe or the clan or the nation, okay? It say if he could accept his new position, he gradually won membership into the new group, right, and protection, of, and protection by the laws. There you go. Now, how long was it before we got protection for the law? I ain't seen it. They be running around shooting the shit out you, throwing guns on you. Now, how long have we said they've done that? Shoot you and plant stuff on you. We've been saying that forever. Lock you up, snatch you up, plant drugs on you. Police been doing that for years. We've been saying it. Finally caught him. Killed that brother. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, the point is that that whatever it was, it was sharply different from the Muslims, okay? Sharply different from the Europeans. Sharply different, okay? And, and as Brother Chancellor said, right, they wasn't called slaves, okay? So I just wanted to give you two works on that subject, and y'all can get that book. It's called The Rise and Fall of the Plantation Complex, uh, Essays in Atlantic History, 
okay, and it's a detailed work, and, it, and it's talking about the sugar plantations, all right, in the Caribbean, during Roman times in Cyprus. That's why when the Hebrews start talking the nonsense about they was taken away with ships and they was talking about the Hebrews, get out of here, because the Romans and the Greeks was transporting people back and forth to Cyprus to work in the sugar mines, I mean to work on the sugar plantations, transport them by ships. That's why the Hebrew thing is foolish, okay? So y'all got uh, nine minutes to call in, all right? We're about to get into the other half of the show, all right? Uh, let me get these callers before we bring on Ujao. Ujao, you still there, right, brother? Yeah, yeah, what's up, yep. Okay, all right. Let me get these two callers right here. Uh, one, 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 your line is open. I'm a raw squad up. One one one, your line is open. One one one, your line is open. All right. Seven seven three, your line is open. I'm raw squad up. Yo, Hotep, what's up? What's up? This fortune's favorite man. How y'all doing? Arrows up. Arrows up. Who's good, brother? Oh, man, just sitting back, chilling, listening to the show, man. I want to say shout out to Rap God, man. That book is off the chain. I read that shit every day when I'm at work on break, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate the support, man. Uh, Appreciate the support, you know. It ain't going to get – it's all good. It's all good. Thank you. Yo, yo, I love that book, man, because, man, you know, you you got a bunch of those claims and you just knocking them out of the park, man, that that homos – that homosexual chapter, that's the chapter I mostly read because, you know, that's where they always try to get us at. But uh, I, I, I read a little bit of that slavery um, chapter, too, and I'm getting into the uh, the one where you deal with uh, Wesley Muhammad. Um, what I was like, what was that? That's oh, what yeah. it is. It's like a handbook. You can jump all around that thing. You ain't got to read it from front to back. So that's the good thing about it. Yeah, I I I started off straight up with the with the homosexual claims. I, a while back, I was asking some questions. I just wanted to get a few answers. But uh, uh, Ujawo, uh, Ujawo or whatever, I wanted to get his book too, because I wanted to you know brush up on a little uh you know get familiar with a little metanetta because you know brother Reggie he told me a few things but I couldn't really remember. Uh, as far as the topic uh slavery or whatever um. That's an interesting subject that y'all was talking about um, as far as dealing with uh, the whole slavery in Egypt thing. Uh, I I never, from what I be reading, I don't see no evidence of chattel slavery. I mean, slavery might have been big at the time with a lot of places, but not to the extent that a lot of those people claim. So I don't know. I don't know, man. But I'm just feeling a vibe, you know, just wanted to shout y'all out. Say what's up. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you calling in. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you, bro. All right. Good. You were going to say something? Uh, I was going to say I had emailed you a couple songs. I don't know if you heard it, but uh, if not, I'll send some more because I, I, uh, I had emailed you some. It was yo, um, on Facebook, you Uncle Unc West, and I had asked uh-huh. you, did you need songs or whatever, and I had sent it from uh, my uh, – my Gmail, but I'll send some more just in case so I get a response or something. So. Well, we What's heard a lot of song? good stuff. Yeah, we had a lot of good stuff, yo. We had a lot of We're going to be picking. Are <laughs> uh, you going to be picking? It don't matter, yeah, man. As long as you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to help out, man. I, I, I you know, I'll send some more. I, you know. 
What's the name of one of your songs? One of my joints was called uh, Common Man State. Common Man State. Mm. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to playing them, too. I'm going to start playing them, and let me let the audience pick, too, to see who really, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I just, just stay consistent, everybody. man. Yeah, stay consistent, I, man. I just appreciate I, I everybody, just, you know, sending them songs, man. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> yeah, that's well. Well, that, I mean, we need that. Definitely All right, man. You take care, take care, of General Johanna, man. That man need a stem master. No disrespect, man, but that he can follow his dietary law, man. That man, wow. He 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 look like he just ate all the old KJVs, man. Shoot. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, crazy, yo. He's funny. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, I hear you, bro. Yup, bro. How many times have you sent? I sent I sent I sent two of them, but I I send I send them again because you know I just make sure because I know y'all be getting a lot of calls. Oh yeah, is that the one with your cousin was on it? My cousin. Oh, that's no no that's a different one. All right, let me get shit mixed no. up. Let me shut the hell up. <laughs> but now nah, I, 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 I got a song called Common Man States. The email was Fireproof ninety three. Fireproof93 right. at Gmail. I sent it to you. Right. How long ago you sent that? Shit. A uh, couple weeks ago. Oh, I ain't going to lie, but I, I sent them again, though, man. We got on. I'm going to get to the email while, while Ujau talking. I'm going to keep it on. Right. I'm going to get to it. I know we got it. We were listening to them. There's a lot of good work in there, man. I was, I was kind of surprised, man, at the level. Oh, I'm nice. I'm <laughs> nice. Rap guy, rap, rap guy might have to stay in retirement. <laughs> No, hold on. Let me write your name down. You talking trash now, boy. I like that. No, Good. don't be. Common Mindset. What's the name of it? Common <laughs> Mindset. States. I'm for, it's Fortune's favorite, man. I used to be calling on the show all the time. Oh, yeah. no. Uh, look at the music, man. That might be that one we've been bumping all the time, huh? Huh? <laughs> hey, hey, man, don't gas me up, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said that might be that one we've been bumping all the time. Uh, it's fireproof. Yeah, a couple on that shit just had you jumping off your seat, yo. I ain't gonna lie to you. I was like, God damn. March, mm. March 5th, March 25th, I sent it. March 25th, March 25th. Hold on, I'm writing it down, boy. You talk some trash. Let me see. Oh, man, I was just March 25th. Ah, oh, yo, be confident in your work, yo. Because we ain't gonna cut no Oh, cards, yeah, I'm late. I'm late. All right, all right, we're gonna, we gonna let the people hear we're gonna see. We're gonna see. Yeah, we're gonna do a whole show on that, man. <laughs> oh, that'd be dope. That'd be dope. You, yeah, we're getting that music together, man. We wanna uh get that together. Okay, man. Let me let, let me go ahead and dog right in, man. I wanna come to the introduction real quick, man. Just real fast, man. And page one, real quick, and then we're gonna let brother Ujao go in. In the introduction, the brother speaks. So he said, language in general is our capacity for, for acquiring and using complex systems of communication. Okay? He said, it is a tool which allows us to interact with one another and our environment. See, this is some natural shit we're talking about right now. Okay? It say the usual goal of the interaction between people can be summed up in this phrase. Meeting of the mind, short of being completely telepathic mind readers, we use language to express ourselves 
to one another and have a meeting of the minds. If anyone is the study of culture, societal group of people, it becomes imperative to study his language. And the brother is absolutely right with that. And without further ado, Brother Ujao, man, come on, man, talk to us about this great mind in the world, man. Yeah, what's up, what's up? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, the the book is called A Beginner's Introduction to Metonetra, the Ancient Egyptian Hieroglyphic System. And um, as you said in the introduction, I basically, you know, I point out the the whole point of, of communication. Period. The reason why we even communicate is to have a meeting of the minds because we're not we're not telepathic. We don't have crystal balls. And we, you know, all up in each other's minds. So we communicate. Make and we, we, what would they you won't make it seem like it's funny. Oh, hold on one second, Joe. Hey, look, y'all got 60 seconds, man, and listen to the rest of the show, all right? Uh, in this segment, we're dealing with a beginner's uh, introduction to the metanetric brother, Ujau. I'm saying so, hey, 44 seconds, call the number 347-857-2055. We got about 40 people. Uh, in queue, right? And just come on, call in. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, so, you know, so, yeah, I start off the introduction with that, basically reminding us that, you know, we communicate because we're not telepathic. So it's all about being in sync with each other's, uh, with, with each other's thoughts. So, and the point is, you know, without reading the whole introduction, like, you know, verbatim, but the, the point that I'm making in the introduction is that, you know, in order for us, you know, we, we hear that we hear the phrase, let the ancestors speak all the time. We talk about the ancestors, we talk about honoring them, and, you know, it's all about the ancestors, especially in, in the African continent. And we say, let the ancestors speak. So the point I make is that in order to let the ancestors speak, we have to understand their language. Because, you know, it's African traditions that we know that the ancestors influence the world of the living. You know, the world of the of the those who have transitioned affect the world of the of the living. This is a fundamental understanding. And uh in terms of communication and what was left behind in terms of literature, in terms of what's written on stone and so on and so forth, they left a lot. And in Kemet is uh especially so because you know, it's a whole laundry list and plethora of, of documents and artifacts that are left behind. But in order to allow the ancestors to speak to us, we have to know their language. So that's the that's the kind of uh, one of the, one of the reasons why I, I emphasize and I did the book in the first place is is learning the language will open the way for us to actually communicate with the ancestors, you know, as far as what they left behind. So that's why that brings it to the importance of why I learn Metonetra. Any anybody and I and I don't isolate it just to Kemet, uh as far as introduction. You know, this goes for anybody. If you if you claim to be a Hebrew Israelite, or if you claim to be a Christian, or claim to be a Muslim, or of any tradition, then it's imperative for you to learn the language of your tradition. And the reason why that is is because in in ancient times there was there was a certain methodology in in the way that people communicated. Because unlike today, we have we have storage devices, we have libraries, we got computers. We got books, we got printing press, we got, you know, the whole process down to a science. You know, we got plenty of ways to store information and convey information. But in ancient times, the further back you go, the less 
of that that we had. Um, in in some African cultures, they stored information by by way of a technique called tying of knots, where they tied certain ropes or certain um, rope fibers into into certain knots, and it was codified. And only the elders of the tribe or the communities knew how to decode these knots. So it was an encoding process, and then it was a decoding process. And the elders would do storytelling based on these knots. They would they would go and consult the knots and find out whatever information they need to know, and then come tell the person. Same way how, how our catalog catalog system in the libraries are uh, today. So from tying of knots, there was also the use of myths. And, you know, the average person today thinks of myth as just something that's just fabricated, you know, false. Like, it's just a myth, like disregarded. Oh, that's spookism. You know, a myth is belief, you know. But in Africa, a myth was just the science. It was just the, the way in which a narrative was put together so that the people can hold data in, in their memory and pass it and transmit it from generation to generation. So I say that to say that, that we have to learn the language of whatever tradition and culture we're studying because the way and method that they recorded the information. And, um, and people were taught by way of initiation systems. You know, we call them educational systems today or whatever. But there was an initiation system set up where people were systematically walked step by step and trained and learned information. And they learned the reality or the literal explanations of everything, and they also learned the myth, the narrative, the myth uh, about it in order to remember it. So it was a, it was a two-step or parallel process. You learn the reality, then you learn the myth, the allegories, the metaphors, and so on and so forth. But today we lost the realities, and we're stuck with the myth, and everybody, everybody's just arguing over the myth. And they don't even know what the what the realities are behind the myth. So this is where a lot of these arguments and debates are coming from. But in, but back to the book, um, that's what I'm emphasizing as far as why I'm emphasizing that in the introduction um, of the book. As far as Kim is concerned, we need to learn the language so that we can stop the uh, pseudo scholarship of of looking at pictures and interpreting it based on the uh, it looks like method instead of the scientific uh, method. You know, people looking at, at different glyphs and things and thinking they're spaceships, thinking they're uh, aliens on the walls, or thinking that, um, you know, light bulbs and things existed on these walls when it's not like that at all. So um, after the introduction, well, before the introduction, um, the table of contents, I'm just going to go over the table of contents just to, just to let the listeners know what is covered in the book. Um the first thing that's covered is the history of the Egyptian language and, and writing. And basically with that chapter, uh, it's eight chapters altogether. Uh, chapter one is the history of Egyptian language and writing. And within there, I explain the different um, – well, I, explain, I compare to, to European Egyptologists who break down the history of the language into five, as they say, stages. They'll say Old Egyptian, Middle Egyptian, Late Egyptian, Demotic. And Coptic, and they and they treat it as if it was one language that went through changes, and they call them stages. But when we further analyze the language, we find out that that there were different languages spoken in Kemet, and that opens the way for us to know that Kemet itself 
was a, a, an amalgamation of different communities. You know, Kemet is not just one people. You know, uh, they there were people that came together and formed Kemet. And the evidence is right there in the language itself. You know, there was there was um there were five uh there were five different um major communities, five different major peoples that, that added to the population of, of Kemet and it's reflected in the language. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying five as far as uh, language is concerned. It's, it's five major um, languages that we can see uh, the evidence for in the in the uh, in the languages itself. So, as far as the people, and yeah, maybe more uh, diverse people. But as far as the major language that pop up, as far as attested documentation, this is what we can readily see. So, at the very least, it's five. You know. Um, but we know it's 42, 42 gnomes, they say 42 gnomes or 42 sapat that unified uh, upper and lower that became Kemet. So that's chapter one. So basically chapter one, I go through the history and explain the difference between the language, the spoken language, and the scripts. So I talk about the scripts, um, and I give them, give them their proper names because people say hieroglyphs, but the ancient Egyptians called it Seshmetunetra. Which means that which means that it's the inscriptions of the divine communication, and um, the other script people are familiar with is hieratic, hieratic and sesshmetal nature uh, went side by side. But there's a there's a, also another script where it's a more simplified sesshmetal nature. It was it was the same thing as the carvings, except they didn't uh, carve it; they wrote it on, on papyri with an ink. But but you could still recognize the symbols as though they were carved in stone, and they uh, Egyptologists call that cursive hieroglyphs, but it's better to call it uh, simplified sesshmetal nature, because then you have hieratic, which is cursive in nature, and that was um, written parallel to sesshmetal nature, the formal hieroglyphs um, or the formal signs that are carved in stone, and from there you have. Um, was called demotic, which is an even more stylized cursive um, script where you can't recognize, you can't, it's hard to recognize, if at all, any of the formal um, carvings or the, or the carved renditions of it. And then you have Coptic, which, of course, used the Greek alphabet with uh, seven letters that were borrowed from a uh, demotic script. So I, I discuss all that in the first, in the first chapter. Um, the second chapter is dealing with aesthetics. And that's basically the the look of the of the script and how it was written and why it was written uh, in block form. So I talk about the uh, directions that the signs move, um, are written in and how you can tell uh, which direction to read them in, and also the groupings where you see signs over top of each other um, or side by side or above uh, one above another, etc. So that's um, basically what I talk about in chapter two. Chapter three is the functions of the signs, and in here I go through um, how they function, and I, and I lay out what it, what an ideogram is, what a phonogram is, what the determinatives are, and um, you know I explain that, and I explain also the way that the script came about by way of pictograms. Which are which are signs that represent what you see. So if I draw a picture of an elephant, 
then that's what I mean. You know, there, there's no misinterpretation of that because the, the, the sign that I draw is exactly what I mean in reality. Those are called pictograms. And then it moved from pictograms. Now, you can imagine if, if the language only had pictograms, then that language would be, would be um, real, real small. It, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to communicate a lot of different things, uh, abstract things like love or like hot and th- that don't have uh, tangible objects to draw, you know. So it moves from pictograms to ideograms, what they call ideograms, which are ideas. Um, it comes from a word that means idea writing. So I explain that, and then um, logograms, which are signs that stand for words themselves. So I can draw one sign that stands for a whole word. And then from there, I explain phonograms, which are signs that are only used for their phonetic value. And and it's important because... That again? Okay, I thought somebody was saying. Um, it's important... Well, I'll tell you what, that's the way we go. Now, finish that thought, and we're going to take a little quick break. Finish that thought real quick. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was, I was just, going to say, just going to say that um, it's important It's important to know the difference between those is because a lot of people, when they get into um, trying to deal with, with um, the script and Egyptian writing, they try to they try to look at the look at the the uh, signs and then make them out literally. They don't understand that that f- when it's used when it functions as a phonogram, it has nothing to do with what you're looking at. It's only uh, they only use it for the sound, not what you're looking at. So some people will look at these pictures and say, "Well, why is this there?" And they'll try to interpret it literally, looking at the eye and think it's talking about the eye, uh, and not know that it's that it's dealing with the the phonetic sound that that symbol stands for. So, yeah, that's all I was going to say for that. Okay, all right. Where you at, Smash? I'm right here. What's up with it? Hey, boy, boy, that, that, <laughs> at that young Chicagoan, yo was like running up on soft niggas for their Gucci bag. That shit was high. Hold on. Let me, let me take a little break, man. Let me throw that. Uh, you heard me. <laughs> huh? Huh? Uh, you heard me, huh? <laughs> and they got some talent. Hey, Smash, uh, yeah. I don't know, yo. We're going to have... Hey, yo, hold on. Hold on. Let's take a quick yeah, break on this real quick. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see. It's like... It's like real niggas ain't even making shit like this no more. Let me take y'all on the caper. Uh... Through the common mass state. Niggas increasing the cram rate. Like... Uh... Don't start. Ain't nobody like a broke rapper party. Cause a broke rapper party don't start. Don't start. Ain't nobody like a broke rapper party. Cause a broke rapper party don't start. Don't start. Ain't nobody like a broke rapper party. Cause a broke rapper party don't start. Yo, yo, fuck your crew. I pull a crew and buckle rule in a canoe. I'm in manure, steering with a random shoe out of the sewer. Laugh from sad rap with rusty gas and steaming. Niggas is dodging belts and walk around like king with my mask raised. Catch a sale like sickle. 
livid So these kids can hear it Fireproof I can sleep on skull and hot coals Dodge a heat-seeking missile Play the oboe Catch a sail like sickle Scale the Appalachians Tear uh, down my lyrics How these still kids can hear it From the uh, devil My temperature ran over the kettle Fuck moving for better living Our children move with the metal I ran to get run down Sun up to sundown I ran to foul the cops Now they locking me uptown My daily woes Had different colors Dictate my clothes My nephew geeks off of YouTube video He move his body To a suggestive nobody You shorties got no hobbies Look what the coke got me Now look what the game got me Look what that bang bang got me A bid for a body He black So we the same body He fell to the same shoddy The same kid And the same party Cause he was using his brains hardly I know we hit a juke So take the lead Go ahead Some niggas found it pheasant The trap all over my forehead Help me I'm in panic I'm feeling manic Depressive So scared These niggas in Herald Carrying weapons Like fuck rap With a message I feel bigger When I pull a trigger And that's the common mass state Of a broke nigga Fireproof I can sleep on scalding hot coals Dodge a heat seeking missile Play the oboe Catch a sail like sickle Scale the Appalachians Scale down my lyrics So these kids can hear it Fireproof I can sleep on scalding hot coals Dodge a heat seeking missile Play the oboe Catch a sail like sickle Scale the Appalachians Tear down my lyrics So these kids can hear it uh. This is the story of a young white broke cat With no cash Trying to make some dough off this notepad Just know that my hunger's swiveling to a great white Trying to be magnificent so I can live the great life Cause I'm tired of cooking peaches for a wage of Philly minimum Can't sit around and wait to wanna be no average citizen Own a couple businesses, face all in the cinemas And be the best MC to ever come out of these villages Turn these images into instruments Limitations are limitless from everywhere in the viscera Just to show them that I got skills So hopefully one day I can make a song about how I got bills and have a salary that's six figures And that's the common mass state of a broke nigga Fireproof, I can sleep on scalding hot coals Dodge a heat-seeking missile Play the oboe, catch a sail like sickle Scale the Appalachians, scale down my lyrics So these kids can hear it Fireproof, I can sleep on scalding hot coals Dodge a heat-seeking missile Play the oboe, catch a sail like sickle Scale the Appalachians, tear down my lyrics So these kids can hear it My glory more, but you don't know the whole story, so I'ma make it known real quick. Never got a show in KC to open for Slick Rick for no pay. Plus I gotta call in sick. About a hundred for the travel, another for the hotel. So you wanna hit the road, pal? Cause when the CDs don't sell, you start before a meal. The path less beaten gives a fuck how you feel, but I'm eating good. Now let me knock on a piece of wood. Good kid from a decent hood. Follow my dreams like the people should. When money comes, it shows, but when it goes.
limitations Got this whole generation Placing limitations Hating authentication Copycat, copy, 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 copy that They just might just copy that Clones, clowning sounds Bouncing off rebounds Tell them jump off a cliff They go jump and drown Greatness like Ali Pound for pound Now reverse that clause And change that now Martin had a dream Miss Tidy got beamed YouTube, a microphone And songs to stream Chicago music, I was feeling that. Alright. But yo, that was our little break right there. I wanted to play a little snippet, man, from the brother man since he was talking shit. I say let me go ahead and play that right there. Alright. Okay. So go ahead, brother Ujao. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that that was nice. Um um the track. The track was nice and actually uh, hotel, brother. Hotel, hotel. Actually listening to that, you know, I wanna make I wanna say something that even in hip hop and in rapping, um, a lot of people use metaphors, and actually that's an ancient practice, and that's and that's kind of speaking to what I was talking about earlier, how how like our generation, like we look at, we could listen to a song, a hip hop song, a track, and we know exactly what's what's uh, meant. A lot of things are not taken literal; they're like comparative allegories, metaphors that are used, and we understand it like second nature. But if you if you fast forward a thousand years from now. And somebody listen to that track, or they or they read the lyrics to the track, they're gonna be like, "What?" You know, they gonna they gonna take they don't know if to take things literally, or or figuratively, figuratively or, or or whatnot. And this is what's absolutely. what's happening. What this is what, huh? Uh, absolutely. You go ahead, bro. I'm on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying. So this is what's happening with a lot of these ancient um, ancient uh, traditions and texts that that's left behind. You know, people are, are, are missing. They don't, they're not in tune with the culture. They don't have the cultural psychology behind them to understand what's meant behind these texts. So, so back to the book, um, you know, learning language is important because that's only, this, is only, this only opens the way because once you even learn the language and learn what's being said, then you have to get the cultural nuances behind it to know what was meant behind all of this stuff. So there's there's mm-hmm. definitely definitely several layers to it. You know, this is this is only the beginning. That's why I call it um as far as the process, it's only a beginner's book. But um, you know, to kind of keep continue going on um with the table of contents, I um like I said, I cover I cover, you know, the direction of the of the signs, how to how to read and what direction to read them in and why and how they um were carved and, and scribed the way they were scribed. But um, in the uh, chapter three, functions of the signs, I go over the different functions that the signs can have. Like I said, how language goes from pictograms to ideograms to logograms and then to phonograms. So that's real important for people to know and learn. So I cover all of that. And then in the fourth chapter, I cover the alphabet, what would be quote-unquote called the alphabet. And uh, uh, 
I had mentioned mm-hmm. this to you before, that it's imperative mm-hmm. for people to learn the uh, 25 signs that will be considered the alphabet, because these, these represents the represent the phono the pho- phonology of the language, on uh, basically the phonemes that that exist within the language that are assigned 25 different signs, and these are are used um, all throughout the language, and it's a must that people have to learn them, learn what they look like, and learn how to transliterate it. So the fourth chapter I cover that. And emphasize that And I also Talk about pronunciation Because a lot of people When they first want to, When they first learn a language The first thing they want to do Is is learn how to pronounce words They're like You know How I pronounce this How I pronounce that So In this chapter I talk about The difference between The pronunciation Or learning the pronunciation Of this language Versus A, a living spoken language Of today And how we have to Basically do it in reverse because today when we learn a language as children, we learn how to speak a language first before we even learn to read and write it. You know, mm-hmm. as, as you're growing up, and you, you know, from your mother, your father, your family, you learn how to uh, speak. You learn you learn grammar without even knowing the technical terms of what you're doing. You, you're using verbs, adjectives, nouns, prepositions, but you just don't know that they're called that. But, we, you know, we grow up learning that before we even learn all of that. But... What I'm showing in here is that with metal nature, we learn in reverse. We have to learn it technically first, and then we will get to the pronunciations. And that's an ongoing project by African linguists that are actually revoicing the language. And this is something that's passionately um, emphasized by Dr. Riketti Amin. She's a, a, a definite um, proponent for that, to, to, to revive metal nature as a spoken language and to form speech communities once again. So um, I'm in touch with her and his other scholars that are uh, also on board with with, the, with this and trying to formulate a, a uh, formative formative uh, project out of it. And it's going to take some time. But uh, in that chapter, I basically stress that the pronunciations that we use today is simply convention. Like when I say something like unk, ujasaneb, or nefer, or um, even hotep, these are just Egyptological conventions that we're using. We 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 know uh, that the scribes did not document the vowels, so we know the consonants. But the vowels are going to come by way of a linguistic process called comparative linguistics, where a lot of African languages are going to a lot of related African languages are going to be compared to Middle Egyptian, what they call in Middle Egyptian, to actually revoice the language. Because the word vowel means voice. So we're going to stick the vowels back in there where they belong, uh, which vowels and the placements. But that's a that's a long, uh, systematic, uh, scientific process. So that's going to be an ongoing project. So anyway, I, I speak about that in Chapter 4, and I show, you know, uh, what that's all about. Uh, chapter 5 mm-hmm. are sign types, which are the different types of signs. And that basically means that, um, you have monoliteral signs, which means that they only stand for one um, sound. You have bilateral signs that stands for two sounds or two consonants. It could be uh, a syllable or, or two syllables um, once we know the vowels. But these are two consonant sound, signs, which we call bilateral. And then we have three consonant signs, which we call trilateral. And then there, there are some, some, one, some ones that are four and five. 
Um, so basically, I, I describe the different sign types, and I explain what they mean, what they are, and uh, there's a there's also another sign type called phonetic complements, which are signs that uh, reinforce the sounds of of other sign signs. So I explain, you know, how to recognize those and what what they are. Um, and then in chapter six is where I, I show people how to look up words in a dictionary. So I go over the, the different dictionaries that are available, such as um, E.A. Wallace Bush Dictionary. Um, the water the water bush is in German. So I mention it, but because it's in German, it would be very difficult for beginners. So I, I, recommend, I recommend people to get um, Faulkner's Dictionary, which is very good, except it's it's handwritten, so it'll take a little bit of time for people to get used to uh, the handwriting. But it's a very good dictionary. And um, oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that dictionary, yeah, that kind of got me. I was like, I can't read this shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> than that, yo. Seriously, I ain't gonna lie to you, dog. That's some bullshit <laughs> right there, yo. That was yeah, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just gonna yeah, say, well, yo, I don't know how the fuck y'all read that shit. Hey, hey, oh, hey, yeah, hey, well, that's, hey, hey, that's how the metal netter would have been if you got back in ancient times. You got this. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, man, <laughs> that's Go the ahead, best dictionary. Right. I just wanted to add that, and I'm going to give it back to you, Jahu. Uh, just to say, that's one of the best dictionaries to me, and a lot of the early <laughs> works were handwritten, like Kurt Seth's work mm. is handwritten, too. So I just wanted yeah. to say that. Yeah, no, that's how I'm done, nigga. If I got to read that, I'm done. I'm done. I no, 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 no. Hey, I'm hey. Done. Just like no, Dr. No, no, Ben. No. All right, the type right. He got the typewriter books. You gave the Dr. Ben books all his books and typewritten. Well, 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 Unc, for 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 people like you, I, I got a solution. Uh-huh. So, so What's the solution? also also in the chapter of the of the of the dictionaries, the ones I list, I list uh, Mark Vigas dictionary, which is which is typed and it's uh it's free. And it's in PDF format, and um, and it's available. You know, it's freely available. And I show people how to use both Faulkner and Mark Vigas dictionary. I, I actually emphasize Mark Vigas because because it's um, it's typed and it's in order. It's, he did it in order of the signs, so it's real easy to follow, and um, and you won't have that problem. But Faulkner, I tell everybody to get all the dictionaries. You know, depending on your level. Uh, depending on the level, you know, which one you use. Because you, you definitely want to compare dictionaries. And you don't want to take the dictionary's definitions on a strict face value, like like as if it's all wise, right, and exact. But for a beginner, it's it's all good. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, Mark Vigas dictionary would be good, uh, Uncle Keg. That, that would be good. And I, and I show people how to use it um, okay. in Chapter 6. So, okay, that's where that white seven, dude is fucking with me, yo. I swear, yo. Oh, fuck the handwritten one. I was like, is he fucking with me? I'm like, really, nigga? I well, <laughs> let me add something else to that, uh, just real quick. Once you learn the glyphs, that dictionary becomes a lot better because you stop looking it up from the English and you look it up from the glyphs, and he writes it in plain metal nature. So that's all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it I'm telling you, when you when you start off, it's not it's not hard but but it does look like Chinese to us. Like, you know, okay. anybody who's strict who real brand new, it's gonna look it's gonna look funny at first but 
Trust me, it's, it, you'll catch on real quick. Catch on real quick. So anyway, um, chapter 7 uh, is titled Grammar Basics. And basically I go through, because this is not a grammar book, I just touch on a few of the grammar uh, elements such as um, identifying words and sentences, because in metal, in central metal nature, there's no commas and there's no periods. So you you really won't know by looking at it, you won't know where a word, a one word ends and one word begins or a sentence ends or not until you're familiar with certain things. So in that section, I explain what those are and, and how, how to recognize it, and it's not hard at all. Um, I go over numbers. I go over dates, royal names, how you can read royal names, and then a phenomenon called honorific transposition, where uh, the grammar is paused for the sake of the honor of either a nature or a king. And I explain all of that. Uh, and for example, uh, I heard Joe, I heard uh, uh, Brother Jonathan mention uh, the king Tutank Amen, and if you actually see his name written down. In the cartouche or the shinu, um, the word the word um, amen is written first. So if you read it as it's written, it, you, we would be saying amen tut unk instead of tut unk amen. Mm-hmm. And the reason why amen is reason why amen is written first, but it's said it's said properly, but it's written first, is because in writing they always honored the deities or the king, depending on you know the the uh, situation. So I was written first. Right. So Amen will be written first, but we say it took on Amen, which means the uh image living image of Amen. Um so then after that I talk about nouns, what are nouns, how to recognize them. I talk about adjectives and how adjectives are used in the language, pronouns and quotations. So those are the things that I cover um within the uh that section of that chapter. And then the last chapter, last chapter uh, is called putting it all together. So I use chapter eight, which is the last chapter, and I and I take what what you learn throughout the whole book, and then I walk people through actually transliterating and translating um, about five different inscriptions, you know, so so that everybody get used to it from from scratch. So you got to recognize the symbols, know the direction that they're written in, how to break up the words. You know where one word stops, where another word begins, and how to look it up in the dictionary, and then transliterate it. I'm sorry, transliterate it first, and then look it up in the dictionary to get a translation, an idea, and then put it all together to make it make sense. So I do this. I do this for five, um, five different inscriptions from scratch, and I provide the um, the dictionary entries for each one. I, you know, I walk it through as if as if we're walking through it together. And then um, after that, and then after that, I have a section called um, basic basic speech. So you know, I cover basically. I I take um, Dr. Riquetti Amen's lead on this, and I uh, introduce a few common phrases that we can use every day, just to start getting familiar with these words and using them every day. So um, it's like general general discussions. Um, for example, uh, Hotep, or how to say welcome, which is ET, or ETM Hotep, which is welcome with satisfaction, or people say welcome in peace or come in peace. Uh, Shemem Hotep, when you leave, which means to go with satisfaction, because the word Shem means to exit or to leave. Um, Dua, which means thank you. 
uh, Nini, which is a form of greeting. If people don't want to say hotep all the time. Um, and then things like, you know, good morning, good night. Good night would be gare nefir, where the adjective comes after the noun. So gare means night and nefir means good. So we say gare nefir as opposed to nefir gare. Uh, almost like Spanish. How Spanish has, um, uh, like for White House, they'll say Casa Blanca. And the word Blanca is white and Casa is house. So the adjective comes after the noun. So that's the same. So, you know, anyway, I, mm-hmm. I go through a, a, a couple of phrases uh, like that. Um, what's another popular one? Because uh, everybody say Hotep. Um, oh, Uncle Jasenib, which is life. Or Dianek, Uncle Jasenib, which means, um, you know, uh, to be to, uh, given to you life, prosperity, and health. But we, we should kind of shorten that to Uncle Jasenib, or we just say Seneb. Um, when somebody sneezes or whatever, you know, when we normally would say bless you to somebody or whatever, or to wish them health, because that's really what you're doing when somebody sneezes or whatever, you, you're trying to say, you okay? You, you know, you, you're willing them healthy health. And so I show that word, which is synepti. So somebody cough or you think they're sick or something happens, you say synepti, you, you're basically giving them health. You, you're forcing health on them. Um and then after that, I have I have a, a at the end of each chapter, I have a, a exercise. So in the back of the book, I have the answers to the exercises, and then also in the back of the book, in the appendix, I have a full um, sign, sign list. So we don't have, so people don't have to um, use two different books. So I have a full sign list from with all the common signs from Gardner's um, sign list with the sign number. The, the actual sign itself, the description, mm-hmm. and then the possible the possible ways it could be used. So there's over a thousand signs. There's seven thousand in all throughout e- Egypt's history, mm-hmm. but the common ones that we use it adds up to about a thousand. And I have all of them in the book uh, sectioned off by their use. You know, they, they're categorized. Gardner categorized them based on what they are. Uh, like, for example, um, just to give a quick example, all the ones that deal with, uh, let's say, plants, all the ones that deal with plants uh, have a code that starts with M, the letter M, and then they're numbered. So you have M1, M2, so on and so forth, all the way down to, um, what's the last one, M44. So... All the M's we know is our pl- plants, and I'm telling you, the more the more you use it, the more you you'll know these things by heart as well. Like like I, like somebody could tell me um, the sign for the sky, and I know that's that's in in the category of N, as in Nancy, the category N. All the ones that N deal with sky, earth, and water. So that that just comes with practice and familiarity. But anyway, I have I have the uh, the whole list in the back of the book. And that's really the gist. That's really the gist of of the of the book. You know, the book itself is three hundred sixty four, three hundred sixty four page, three hundred seventy eight pages, literally. But it's three hundred sixty four. After you skip the intro and all that, but it's three hundred sixty four pages. And um, and in May, I'm going to start having classes, and I'm going to utilize the book as a textbook for classes. So people that have the book are interested. Um, the book itself stand, is a standalone 
you know, people could actually learn from the book by itself. But you know, a lot of people want to want to have interaction and want to want to have like a step by step walkthrough or guide. So I'm offering that online starting in May, mm-hmm. and um, where people could get the book is on uh, my website, which which will be all the information as far as the classes, upcoming classes as well. But the website is www.mdw-ntr.com, and it stands for metalnature.com. Okay. And you could you could purchase the book there, or you could purchase it on Amazon. And it's available in hardback, softback and hardback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that's pretty much. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty much um, where it's at. Oh, and, and also, um, uh, I at at the end, uh, well, at the beginning, I, I didn't, I didn't, like I said, I didn't read the introduction or whatever, but I I do emphasize the project of revoicing the language and uh, Dr. Riketty Amin's role in that. And I encourage people to get her materials as well because she has a she has a conversation, a phrase book that she published where all the common phrases in there and things that we can actually start speaking to each other, even though it's Egyptology speak. You know, I'm hearing noise in the background. Um, yeah, even though even though it's Egyptology speak, we can start getting familiar with with the use and meaning mm-hmm. at least until mm-hmm. until we uh get some more accuracy as far as the pronunciations are going. So, mm-hmm. and then, um, like I said, she, she's, uh, she's actually going to use this book as a textbook for her classes as well. And, um, I don't know if, if, if people listening are familiar with Dr. Katie, I but she, she's been teaching metronature for over 30 years. Yeah. And she's a, she's a colleague of, uh, or was a colleague, a student colleague and friend with, uh, Shekanta Diop and Dr. Theofalo Benga. And uh, as she's also involved with ASCAC and so on and so forth, so this is this is what Katie Armin. Yeah, she yeah. was that, that. She she was one of the linguists at that uh, Cairo symposium. My correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, she she um she actually worked with Shekhan Diop. She um she translated one of his one of his works from French to English, but it's not published yet because there's some I, I believe there's some issues with the you know with the publishing or whatever. As far as the company or something like that, but but she has a, a work that's that's ready to go in English that she did from him. We need it. Uh, we need that shit. We definitely need that, man. But yeah, man, that's that's tight, man. And, and see, y'all see where we at, all right? And we there. And so, man, that's gonna be that's a monumental work. And we just need more works, man. Because I swear, y'all need to read you that goddamn dictionary. I can't read that shit. I don't feel nobody say yo. How about that shit? Just <laughs> fix that shit, man. I ain't serious, yo. Now nah, the Vigas, the Vigas dictionary. See the Vi- mm-hmm. What Vigas did? Vi- Vigas took Falcon's dictionary, and mm-hmm. and basically put it in a type in a typeset. So right, you know, you get you, you get go with that. You get his, you be straight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me let me let me uh. A little quick minute, man. We can come up with y'all questions, man. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna go ahead and hit and hit that other song. Y'all kinda enjoyed that other song, my man. Put them in. Let's listen real quick, man. Oh, see what you got, brother. Let's see. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see what you're doing. All right. Is this some competition? <laughs> hey, 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 smash. <laughs> what up, what up? There's some competition <laughs> in that goddamn mailbox, ain't it, bro? I told you, boy, some fire in that thing. Ah. Mm. Mm. 
fire. All right, let's see. Watch this. Now, I like this. I like the first one. I like this. Watch this. I tell them I'm from Chicago, they say, damn, how you let us see the mob? How you not addicted to the bottle? How you swallow all the depths, all the tears, all the fears? With all this hell near, how you still remain here? Do you keep it hitting deep inside? Or do you go to sleep and cry? Get up on your feet and try to make an example of how to survive with everything put against you. Do you fall under pressure? Or write a story with your pencil? Nah, I grabbed the pen and wrote everything from within, from every tragedy seen to every sad story I heard. I put their faces on my words so you can read the emotions. Know if you felt their pain that you would cry Pacific Ocean. From all the killing of these children who never had a living to the unforgiving raping of our women and every story different but the one thing that remain the same is i can't get they pain out my brain do i care too much or don't give a fuck said you watch it too much or don't give a fuck said you watch it too much or don't give a fuck said you watch it too much or don't give a fuck hey i feel like giving up when the road gets tough i feel like giving up when the world gets tough, do I care too much? Or don't give a fuck, say do I care too much? Or don't give a fuck, say do I care too much? Or don't give a fuck, say do I care too much? Or don't give a fuck, hey, I feel like giving up. When the road gets tough, I feel like giving up. What? When the road gets tough, tell him I'm from Cottage Grove, 61st. I was born a nigga first. Now this nigga finna feel you full of gigahertz, mega hurts. If I make a record, I'ma make it hurt. Make the earth revert the Pangea sneak inert. Meaning in my every verse, I'm cursed by every skirt. I'm possessed, obsessed with squeezing shorty till it squirt. I'm christened the fire breather, flame retarded, page parted. My plagues, immolation in the garden. You see that shit? It's what I can't say in this backwards. I'm versatile, my verse will verse what crack did. I'm locked, battle force, you calling this whackness. But I know where it's at, nigga, call me an atlas. It's hell now, Charlie. I got pressures to sell now I need work It's sell or live in a cell now I live where it's livable For shorties the best down They learn in school To hold a tech down Charlie is down To decisions for a nigga Like fab proof Kill a loop with goofy shit So I can buy coop Do I ignore the warnings For a round of fruit If it's all ice and cream Should I buy scoop Scoop Yo Millie Joe It's almost like If you don't sell You have to sell out Ugh so is it caring too much if I do give a fuck? Or will I change for the change when I do get a buck? I know meteors fall from the sky in the place. Can I save my solar system if I'm falling from grace? So is it caring too much if I do give a fuck? Or will I change for the change when I do get a buck? I know meteors fall from the sky in the place. Can I save my solar system if I'm falling from grace? We ask ourselves questions and only time to reveal the answer. I dwell from the manner where niggas breathe a disease worse than cancer. God kept me safe in this place where the good die young. I used to mic in my lungs and wrote some jokes and some poems. Had some hope and exposed them. Tried to make the sad laugh and give the hopeless broke kids something that can. Mm. Mm-hmm. But some cut right there, but that was kind of tight right there. I like that right there. That's all good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Put your heart into that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Put your heart into I that, yo. It, all right, yeah, you got some skill. You got that skill set, man. 
But, you know, in the upcoming weeks, man, we're going to be featuring some of the songs, man, and see what y'all think about that, man. But, yeah, brother. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you tuned in to the shit that's going on around you, man. And that's what hip-hop is missing. You know what I'm saying? Some aspects of it, man. I mean, to bring that shit full circle, though. Mm-hmm. So let me ask y'all a question. Y'all got any questions for Brother Ujau? I, I got one. Right, I got a question, Ujau. Um, I was, I really appreciate you making the book because you said it's the introduction, and you know, I mean, I was a bit intimidated about learning Metalnetta, but I felt it was something I needed to learn, especially when y'all. Well, when I discovered uh, Riketty Almond, and that she was here in Chicago at the uh, what's that, the Oriental Institute. That is literally across the street from me. I live right across the street from the uh, University of Chicago campus, so I feel now I should learn. Oh about. man, you, you! I'm telling you, 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 you in a good spot, man. Oriental Institute of Chicago. They got, they got so much comedic. Um, yeah, you had a Nubian exhibit. Yeah, you gotta go there, man. You gotta go there. You gotta go there. And then, I mean, and then Corellas and them, they, they, they a uh, couple blocks down too. Uh, you said ASCAC, the comedic right. institute. Yeah, yep, so yep. now, I mean, I wanted to, uh, well, I'm glad one of the squad members did that. So my question is, because um, I'm going to buy the book, What can, can you tell me at least one thing I should be able to do after completing um, some of the stuff that I learned in the book? Should I be able to uh, at least, like, uh, you know, say yes, an introduction time, to somebody? Or by time, well, okay. well, by time, you, like I said, I, I, I emphasize the fact that we got to learn the language technically. But So by the time you finish the book, you'll be able to go to museums, such as the one that, that, that's near you, and you'll be able to look at um, different exhibits, and you'll be able to, um, the, the more you get familiar, you'll be able to translate on, spot, on the spot because, you know, you'll be familiar with certain terms and whatnot the more you practice. But at least you'll, you'll be able to know, you'll have the tools to be able to translate whatever it is that you see. Now, at first, you may not be able to do it right there on the spot because you're going to need your dictionaries with you and so on and so forth, but you'll have all the tools. You'll be equipped with it. You'll, you'll have more confidence, and, you know, you'll be able to snap snap a picture of it, bring it home, and get busy in, in you know, a matter of uh, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever. You'll be able to work it out. you got to work it out. Cool. That's cool. Um. And what about symbols that um? Because I I, heard, I I had learned that you you read um, Metanetta based on what what position or what area like animals if they face in left you supposed to read them uh, is it left or right or right left left or right right yeah that's that's covered in um chapter two where the direction of the signs the di- direction of the signs are tell you which way to read so. What what we do we read into the signs. So if the signs are facing to the left, then you read from left to right. If they if the signs are facing to the right, then you read from right to left. Uh, so you know so that's that's so that's covered in chapter two. But um yeah to answer your question if the if the animals if the animals or any objects are facing a certain direction you read from that direction into them. So like I said, if, if the bird, let's say the owl, the owl is facing to the right, then you're uh-huh. going to be reading from the right to the left. Oh, so I you know, read as if you're... Oh, I was okay. So like, yeah, if it's like an owl with something facing right, I read everything coming towards the right, like coming to no, the you right. Read, no, no, you read from the right towards the left. Okay, the way this is, that is facing. I'm just making sure. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I make it clear inside the book, you know, chapter two of the book. But, but yeah, as far as, um, you know, answering you right now, yeah, you definitely read into the sign, like you read into the face of the signs. All right. You know. Yep. Oh, if you remember that, then it's good to go. Good to go. Yeah. Mhm. Now, now, you know, without trying to confuse you though there are there are rare exceptions to that to that rule but that's that's a general rule that you can count on but it's rare exceptions and it's certain texts that you'll know um oh. it's so rare it's so rare that it's only a certain text that that will be the opposite we call it retro retrograde um reading where you're actually reading into the back of of the signs but that, but that's done for a special reason and you know like i said it's it's an exception I got one more question because I know um, a while ago uh, somebody I think they might have asked Rap God a while ago. They were saying that okay, the Metanetta is sacred writings, and they were saying that it that that was priestly and the native population they were speaking um, they were speaking uh, I think it's not Tiaspi written Kimmy, but they were they uh, it wasn't priestly the language they spoke. What, was some of that? Some of the uh, local um, things, as far as the um, learning about the gods, was some of that oral for the for the regular average folk? Because I know they all didn't read Meta Neta. Oh, well, listen, well, um, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, you're going to have a better answer, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say that, that, you know, that's a that's a misconception because, you know, like, like in, in my book, I, I give the terminology that we need to start using. So the spoken language is called uh, Rani Kemet, which is okay. the spoken language, and then the written language is Seshmetu Netra. But to answer your question, though, the the people spoke Rani Kemet. They spoke the language, uh-huh. and, they, and they spoke they spoke a dominant language of of any given era of time, you know. Um, and when we say when we say Metu Netra, though, technically technically Metu Netra is is the Kemet or the Kemetic divination system on the on the most technical technical level is the divination system, and it is basically saying that you know this is the language to convey reality, you know um, nature. You know people want to translate metal nature in all kinds of different ways. You know God's words or right. the words of God and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Stuff. So what is it? it? What is it? Words of nature. What is it? Not well. I'm saying there, there there is no one-to-one translation that we could say, but but in summary, it's actually it's actually talking about divine communication. How how reality is communicated. So how how the divine or how how reality is communicated. So it's really divine communication. Okay. And, so and, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, okay. I was gonna say so. How I would form my question would be um I I was I'm saying like the metal well whatever you call it the sacred writings I know all of <laughs> yeah. us like like me like I'm a, I'm a middle class guy I'm a, I wouldn't be a scrab I'd be like you know a labor guy mm. in ancient Kim uh-huh. so I would I probably wouldn't be re- reading the um the uh higher echelon writings so as far as me co- my correspondence with like like deities or learning about the history would that just be oral tradition for uh, the Ramech or would they have yeah. some kind of um, but do you know? But they have some kind of access to some kind of writing, or what they, or, or, or you know, that's what I want to know. Well, 
Okay, well, let me, well, the best way to say it is like that's that's what I meant that the that the population spoke the language, like everybody spoke yeah. the language. But but what okay. happened is no, but but listen, what what happened is is uh, real quick, just like. Just like today, we have we have our our street vernacular where you know we 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 talk and we have a, a layman's perspective and, and a layman's use of different words. But then, if you start specializing in a certain thing, then we we'll use the same words but in a different way. Like like if you go into court on a legal system, the word person means something different than it does on the street. Like just just a regular old word person, you know, it means something different. Or you know, in science uh, or in anthropology, the word race. Like when we say race, black, white, uh, Chinese, or whatever, in in anthropology, the word race is is more of a specialized term, and they use it differently. So okay. so in Kemet, in Kemet, everybody you spoke the language. Exist. <laughs> we well, yeah, use, race, yeah. We don't even use we don't even use race. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm I'm saying just as an example, in Kemet, everybody don't spoke the language. Where? What are you talking about? In anthropology. Yeah, some in anthropology. Biologists do. Biologists do, though. You know that's a some do. Yeah, some, some do, though, right? But but but, okay. but modern but but modern modern anthropology we don't use like Sorkin Yetta, Nina Jablowski. We we totally you know what I'm saying excuse race because it was made up. That's social. That's a, that's a social science. That's not that's not yeah. science. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. But the lay person on the street still use it though. Still okay. all day every day. And biologists. You know what I'm saying. Because oh, I, I, think I, I think I got my answer. I think I got my answer. So you're saying basically they, they did have – I, I mean, it was a kind of a basic question. I was just wanted to know how, how did they communicate well, as far as what they was knowing going on. But they wasn't – everybody wasn't a scribe, basically. Uh, I'm saying, shit, 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 genetically, genetically, since shit, shit, we all African-Americans get you gullet, shit, you would have been listening to a griot, brother. Oh, okay. West African, Western Sahel. Was that Ngozi? No, that's not nah, nah, nah. Jack. Jack. Yo, the whole world is Gullah Geechee. Gullah Geechee. Oh, Jack. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah. We, we, us. us. The captains, like, the captains, oh. the captains that was brought here. North America. <laughs> Y'all, Creole. Hold on. Why is this? All black people in North America is Gullah Geechee. The Gullah Geechee Jack. I'm talking about the. No, let me break it down. Let me break it down. Hold on. Before you break it down. Started some shit. Let me finish. Yeah, yeah you see that, that one question that starts up. And all African Americans is thinking straight is real black motherfucking Asians. Now. <laughs> Don't let a Hebrew talk. See how we doing it, though. See? It, it, but now I'm talking it, about the culture. Depending on your perspective. I'm talking about the no, culture. Our culture. Our culture. Yeah. The shit, shit, the, 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 shit, the plantation Creole, the, the, the shit that we made here is Gucci Gullah culture. It's formed right there. I and, uh, even. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't want to go down that line. One day I'm gonna make you. One day I'm gonna make you prove that that every goddamn African in America is gonna. One day I'm gonna make you prove that, but not not yeah, culturally. Culturally, but 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 Gullah Geechee hey, is, is part of is a part. It is not one tonight. culture, part of a branch of many varieties of Creoles across the diaspora of, the, of where we came from, from the Western Sahel and central central areas of Congo. Hey, but you okay. know what? I want. I, I do want. I, I do want to say something that's, that's important to the brother's question, though, as far as, as, far as the lay people of Kemet uh, and the language and stuff, is I'm going to give you an example. In the, in the Dogon uh, traditions, in the Dogon um, initi- initiatory systems and stuff like that, they, they have three levels of understanding. So, so they use the Dogon language, but they have three different levels of understanding and usage of the language. And the last stage is what they call like the clear word. 
where where sauce. it's a process. Say it again. The giddy sauce. You got, yeah, you got, yeah. You got, you got the you got the uh, you got the you got the no, you got no. You got the mini so, giddy so, dolo so, and, and the one you talking about that's the so dai. The so dai is the end of word. Okay, right. So, so you, so yeah. Uh, I'm not familiar with uh, memorizing the, the the what their name, but exactly that's what I'm talking about. So in Kemet, there was a there was a similar structure where people were speaking a language, but when you get into these initiation systems and the priesthood systems and things like that, these words took on different meanings and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. So that that's that's what people mean by the layperson was illiterate or they didn't know this and know that. It, it right. wasn't so much that people walking around deaf and dumb. You know, mm-hmm. it was just that it was it, just it was that these levels. people yeah. right. There was different levels of it. And and metal nature the strict mean the strict use of metal nature was the divination system. That was the actual science of how reality communicates. So, you know, it's a it's, it's a whole system uh involved. Mm, it's like okay. part of an inner, in, the in, like part of an inner circle of the priest, priest uh, fraternity language. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and also, <laughs> temple, temple and also to kind of bust, to kind of bust 